0: Hey, welcome to the 208th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. Happy four-year anniversary to to the show. This is the official—I mean, if you think about it, 52 times four—it's 208. So we've been here for four years. So thank you for being here. My name is Tony, and this is a podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. So big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Logan—they are huge supporters. They've been supporters since the beginning. You can be a supporter and help this show. This is what makes the show happen. You can be a supporter. You can help out by going to patreon.com slash heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I'm currently talking about the Vision Quest storyline from 1989, John Burns. Uh, west coast avengers avengers west coast they just changed the name of the comic this is where vision was taken and dismantled and turned white <laughs> and uh then vision was or then wanda was taken the great lake avengers are on the scene so it's a lot of really cool uh, crazy things you can hear all about that and sometimes i talk about movies as well but if you can't commit to a monthly commitment you can also help out immensely any every bit helps by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three and that is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck okay so you know i i really don't like starting to show off every week you know please you know you know asking for support but i i need it and uh you know it's been four years and got got gotta pay the bills and unfortunately you know it's it's there's Cost to to running this and hosting the podcast and and plus everything else. So anything you can do will be greatly appreciated. To mark this uh, four year anniversary, see this is where I always debate because you know when you I, I just recently talked about it's like oh we're at the two hundredth episode woo but then that you go by these years like 25, 50 you know two hundred five or do you go by a year since I you know I have done a podcast every single week for the past four years, I, I've made it happen. That's been my personal goal. You know, No one's making me do it. See, that, that's a nice thing. By doing this now for myself, you know, since... Well, that, that's that's the good thing. The bad thing is I have no funding. <laughs> but the, the, Except for the Patreon and coffee. the But the good thing is, you know, no one's telling me what to do. There is no agenda. There's like, you know, no, we need to do this. You know, you can't talk about this. You can't spend time on this. We got to do this. So I'm trying to do what you guys want. And, you know, I always say give me your input um, podcast from heck at is that the crap is that the email podcast from heck at gmail.com I think that will work I, I've never really like officially given that email out um, I know some people have it so you, you know there's our Twitter gman from heck on Twitter Instagram YouTube you, you if you have any, any comments anything you know you'd, you'd like to hear let me know, and um, you know I'm always open to you know changing the format. I'm doing what I I think works, so it would be nice to hear like if there's anything. It's just just let me know. Um, so this week, even though it's it's the four year anniversary, I don't <laughs> I don't really have anything like special out of the ordinary plan. It's just a kind of a regular episode. The the movie feature is is reminiscence. Uh, Hugh Jackman and. Uh, if you look at the reviews, it didn't get great reviews. It was an It was a, a decent movie. Um, I would say you know it, it's better than the, the. I think it was like at a thirty six. I have to look that up. Um, it it was a fine movie. It wasn't spectacular, and um, I'll talk more about that later. You know, yeah. So I'll I'll save my thoughts and everything. Uh, but we you know we also have uh, Titans. What if um, Superman Lois Stargirl, Legends of Tomorrow? all that, that stuff. So let's just go ahead and get to it. Um, no, no stalling since I I get sidetracked anyways. So with the news, there was a new Eternals trailer and looking at this trade, you know, so I've always been kind of on the fence with, with the Eternals. And, and the main thing is the Eternals aren't my jam. You know, I, I've said, I don't, I don't really know a whole lot. Surprisingly, I just came across, where is it? (laughs) I don't know where I put it, but I just came across a, uh, uh, Eternals. As I'm looking around, so my voice may kind of sound <laughs> weird. Um, I've, I came across an Eternals uh, motion comic DVD. You remember when Marvel was doing the, the motion comics? So um, I should probably watch that because I, I don't think I actually <laughs> watched it. I don't, and I don't know where I put it. <laughs> um, I think well, had it. Anyways, so uh, yeah, I should probably watch that. So, so and I'm trying to remember if I I think it was a John Romita eternals i think that's what was the cover i could be totally wrong with that and i'm trying to think if i actually read that that comic series maybe i didn't because like i said you know i was never you know, if, if there was a, a eternals comic or mini i it's not like i'm be like oh i want to check this out uh maybe i did i don't know but i i know li- very little about the eternals you know i'm reading uh th- the current eternals comic and you know, I, I'm getting to know the characters. I'm, I'm liking it more, you know, as I go along. And, you know, I've read them a little bit here and there, and they've appeared in different comics here or there. So with the movie, I'm just like, I don't know, maybe I'm just so used to it's like, I just want the Avengers. You know, I feel like we've been spoiled with all, you know, all these Avengers-related characters. Because those are kind of like the top-tier characters with Marvel. You know, we, we've had all the big characters, the big popular characters. And um, so now it's like, okay, now they're going with Eternals, you know they they have to build another franchise. You know we have to move on and, and try to expand things. But looking at this this new trailer, I, I was a little more intrigued with them, and you know I'm. I, it looks like we have a a, re- a really good cast, and. In this trailer, spoilers, you know, there is mention of Thanos, Uh, which there should be a bigger connection with Thanos. That's what I, I thought, because, you know, I, I saw, like, a couple headlines from different outlets talking about, you know, Thanos. And so I was like, wait, are, are they going to do something with him? But, they you know, they, they talk about how it, they just reference the snap, the blip or whatever you want to call it. How, like, you know, half the population disappeared five years ago and then the humans brought them back. And apparently the energy or something like that is causing... Or is allowing the emergence to begin. I don't know what the emergence is. I don't know if that's something that was mentioned in the comics. But this is kind of like a bad thing. And then they're like, well, how much time do we have? We have seven days. So this is kind of the the, the thing. Because, you know, where have the Eternals been in all this? You know, you you see them in the other preview the other trailer how you know they've never interviewed they've helped guide people but it's like Battle of New York huge alien invasion nothing was done Thanos you know it's like wait why are they not doing anything and then now they're they're popping out but so I guess we know why now is what which Okay, we didn't need to know now. You know, We could have waited to the movie, but that's good to know. Then there was a scene, again, whether they're showing too much or not, but uh, I forget who it was. Someone was talking to Dane Whitman, which is like, why is he in a movie? You know, Why is the Black Knight in the movie? But I, I'm really curious to see what they're going to do with him. But he actually asked, he's like, you know, why didn't they fight, you know, Thanos or in any other war or anything like that? And the person, who was he talking to? Maybe it was, I, I have a feeling it was Cersei, but I could be totally wrong. But uh, they said that they were instructed not to interfere unless deviants were involved. So deviants are another race. If you know any, anything about Eternals, you probably, you probably know more than I do, maybe. So it, it, it's interesting. I'm, I'm, you know, really curious about that. And visually, it looks really good. And, you know, I, I, think, I think it's going to be a, like a really uh, gorgeous movie. And I'm I'm just really curious what they're gonna do with, with these characters and their abilities and everything like that. So I'm I'm getting more excited for that. As far as like Shang Chi, uh, which again I'll finally know if I, if I'm saying it incorrectly, pronouncing his name wrong. Uh, it when did it's it did the premiere? I don't know if it was a week or two ago. Maybe it was last week. And one thing that bugs me is there I there was like one. Kind of spoiler that, that came out. So, like, someone put it. I've been looking at the Facebook news lately, which I know I really shouldn't, but you know, I was just I'm always curious, like, what is there, like, what's being presented, like, offered for me to read. And I very rarely will click anything, you know, sometimes I just, you know, want to look at the headlines and that. But, and I, I don't remember who the outlet was, but in one headline, it's like so and so, and so he's like, okay, whatever. But uh, people are saying it, it it's good. Um, it, you know, there's there, the martial arts is supposed to be really good and everything like that. There was a bit with, I think it was Sam, Sam Lou, where he was upset, a little upset because uh, the Disney CEO is calling Shang-Chi an experiment. And, you know, he said that the, the movie is going to have a 45 day window in th- exclusive to theaters. So they're not going to do it Disney plus premiere access for this. They're going to keep it in theaters for 45 days. And then I think it's going to go Maybe to regular Disney Plus or something, or maybe then it'll go. Actually, that wouldn't make sense. Maybe then they'll do the premiere and then they'll probably do like rentals and you know stuff like you know on demand and then release it. Maybe unless they're like 45 days, you could watch it if you subscribe. You know, maybe they want to push that. But he apparently, uh, Sam re- replied to that. He's like, We're not an experiment. And it, it almost feel, feels like his response was because they're calling, the, you know, he's like, we're groundbreaking. Because, you know, th- this is a big deal. This is an Asian-led Marvel movie. This is an Asian-led cinematic movie. We, we hardly ever get Asian-led movies, period, in Hollywood. You know, you may have an actor or character, you know, here or there. But rarely, you know, are they the lead in, or the whole, like, majority of the cast so he was kind of taking it that way to like we're not an experiment but it's like that's not what he meant he meant that i was and i don't want i'm not defending anyone you know not i'm not defending the ceo of disney but i saw with the statement that he said i took it as he's saying that the the way they're releasing the movie with the 45 day window exclusive window whatever and not going to that that's their experiment that they want to see how that works so We'll see. But, uh, you know, he's excited for his movie, and, and, you know, maybe he's excited for the cast and not, you know, the, the crew, you know, all the hard work that they put in. So, you know, I, I don't, you know, you can't knock that or whatever. Um, Anthony Mackie is now officially signed on to Captain America 4. <laughs> so this is a crazy thing. It's like, wow. They announced it it's like shortly after uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier ended, and Anthony Mackie was like, what, really? He's like, I don't know anything about this. So it's just like, okay, wait, they just make made him Captain America in the series. And then they announce a Captain America movie and they're not going to have him in it. He's like, what? That makes zero sense. And then, of course, you know, everyone's going to you know, assume it's like, oh, is it because of his race? And, you know, so I don't know what the deal was. It's just crazy. It's like, hey, we're going to do a movie, but we haven't signed on the lead actor yet. <laughs> It just doesn't make sense. So um, he's going to be, a, he. I, and whether he's, I mean, are they going to try to do like John Walker, Captain America, you know, because he's not Captain America anymore. Uh, so we'll see. But that's good because uh, he's, he's good in the role. So we'll get to see more of him. Um, other uh, Ironheart news. Um, so Riri Williams, as you know, is going to be an Ironheart Disney Plus show. And, you know, she's been cast and everything like that. But apparently, Kevin Feige mentioned, he confirmed that the Disney Plus show is not going to be the first time we see her. She's actually going to first appear in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Black Panther 2. And, um, and which kind of makes sense because I think before this was announced, there was a, there's like some news or speculation or whatever that, um, That they were they were doing some filming at MIT and Riri Williams is a student at MIT. You know she's a young, you know she's super smart. She's going there, so that makes sense that you know she's going to be in there. So maybe it has something to do with like with Black Panther with helping you know underprivileged communities or whatever. And I don't know, but it was cool that we're going to see her there. Then it uh, some kind of it's I I really I'm hesitant to call this news, but apparently. The stunt coordinator for Iron Fist, he's kind of kind of slamming. Um, what's his name? Finn, Finn, whatever. I can't. Say, I can't even remember the name. But basically, he he was uh, he didn't mention any names, but he he was kind of kind of complaining or just pointing out or whatever that one of the actors didn't want to train for during for the movie or for the series or whatever. Okay, that that seems kind of kind of weird or whatever uh you would think it'd be like hey you know you want to do this role that you know involves a lot of martial arts or whatever then you know you're gonna have to do some training for it i mean you look at like chris hemsworth who is you know pretty like almost like naturally a big dude or whatever but he he gets like even more massive and you know same with like chris evans or what you know they that's part of the role you're gonna play this comic book character you need to train for it and while Iron Fist may not be, like, a muscular, like, you know, bulky dude, his thing, you know, he's got to be able to do the moves and everything like that. And uh, uh, so, actually, I saw... uh Wait, where did I read this? But I read one of the... Uh, someone put a comment in the, the article. I'm trying to remember where it was. But someone's like, yeah, he seemed like a yoga instructor versus, like, a martial arts... Because pro- he was very, like, calm and everything, you know, it was all that, but... So if, if that's the case, it's like well, who's in charge of the show, and you know you hire someone, and then if he's refusing to train, or is he just not want to? But regardless of all that, you know that that just seems weird. But then to to publicly talk about it, it kind of seems bad for him. You know you know whether I don't know. I I feel like if 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 um a teacher at my school was not doing something or what, you know, I don't think, I, I, or I mean, I not. That I don't, I know, not that I, I don't think, I wouldn't publicly say, yeah, there's, you know, someone that's doing this or not doing that. It's just, you don't, you don't do that publicly. You know, it's not that you're keeping it a secret or anything like that, but I don't know, maybe that's not a really good example, but it just, it just seems weird, but um, that made the news. So we have that. Um, another trailer, <laughs> maybe I should have led with this. He-Man and Masters Universe. Oh my goodness! So this is like a CG um, series, and it it's not for me. I don't even know if I'll be able to watch it. It's a uh, it's a little cringer, cringy cringy. <laughs> um, it's it it looks like it's for for kids. It looks like it's for younger viewers. And if so, great. That that's fine. It's it's just it's weird because. I, while everyone complain or not everyone but a lot of people complain about the lack of he-man in master's universe revelation so we are going to have he-man here but we also have like a group of of supporting kids or people or actors or or not actors characters but it's almost like from the beginning they all find out he-man's secret which you know maybe that can avoid Tila getting all whiny and upset or whatever but it's just it just doesn't look like something I, I want to watch. So, and I, I kind of joke is like, are they doing this to make people, you know, all the people were upset about, you know, Kevin Smith, the distract them or something. So that starts on, on nine six on September 16th. Maybe um maybe it'll be better than the trailer makes it out to be. But what was weird is when I so watched the trailer, like kind of first thing in the morning, like shortly after, I don't know. I was like maybe an hour or so after it was posted, I noticed that uh, the comments, because I was like, "What are people saying about this? Is this just a, just just me?" The, There's the comments were disabled, so I wonder if they, from the get, from when they first put it up, they're like, "Yeah, we're not gonna put any comments for this," or were they getting a lot of like, un you know unnecessarily, un you know rude and and mean comments, and then they they locked it. So I was just wondering if they were like, "Yeah, maybe we better just." not have them on at all so i'm, I'm really curious about that um oh I, I should mention this uh going back to marvel uh secret wars is that gonna happen you know the, the russos have said before that they, they want to do that so there's no confirmation but jim shooter was at a con um somewhere and he mentioned that he he thinks that Marvel may be doing something, actually planning something, you know, more than just planning or whatever. They apparently, and, and I feel like he shouldn't really be talking about this, but he did. And, you know, it's his choice. And uh, they they asked him if he wanted to do like a novelization of Secret Wars since, you know, he wrote the comic and all that. And um, I guess when he was, you know, talking with someone about the deal, you know, working things out, whatever. And he's like, does this mean you're making a movie? And the, the the person in charge of it, they're like, I can't comment on that, or you know, I, I whatever. And then he's like, Oh, it looks like you just kind of confirmed it. Then you know, whatever. But not necessarily. I mean, and it could be maybe it'll be like a Disney if they're doing Secret Invasion as Disney Plus. You know, they could do Secret Wars as as a uh, as a Disney. I mean, to do Secret Wars, man, um, so much potential. And uh, I would even almost think like, Hey, you want to bring Chris Evans back? You know, maybe the Beyonder pulls him out from a different time. You know, if we had Kang come from a different time, right? Because, yeah, I think it wasn't... Who was it? Was King dead at the, that point? Which doesn't make sense. You know, that would be the... But anyways, man, it would be cool if they... Just to see everyone, you know, brought together. So, we'll see. Um, fingers crossed. Um, I Because I, I love Secret Wars, And it, it's so funny that it was created just to sell toys and it was such a great comic and and maybe it's a nostalgia part of me you know because I, I did recent not recently I did kind of recently talk about you know all 12 issues and I did Secret Wars 2 and I think I even kind of did that the, the sort of Secret Wars 3 on the Secret podcast no no pun no no connection not, not because of Secret but yeah so I I would love to see that HBO Max is apparently working on a Black Canary movie So, you know, they're doing the Batgirl movie on HBO Max, not in theaters, which is cool. You know, um, there's nothing wrong with doing movies. You know, Netflix does movies. Amazon does, you know, so let's let's get another reason, you know, to keep subscribing to HBO Max or whatever. So um, Journey um, Smollett, who was uh, I I have a feeling that's not how you say her name. I I deeply apologize because I suck at names. But she's going to be playing Black Canary again, so she's in Birds of Prey. This is great news because I I really really enjoyed Birds of Prey. It just didn't do well in the box office, and um, I wonder if it's. I'm trying to think. It it came out right before COVID started, right? Right before the lockdowns, so that that could be part of it. You know, that it didn't get the long. I don't know, maybe. And I'm sure some people had issues with the movie and everything like that, so it didn't seem like it was necessarily successful enough to guarantee a sequel which is unfortunate and and let me just go on record again and say i absolutely did not like the way cassandra kane was portrayed written and by portrayed is like the the way the character was written the like that's not cassandra kane there is I just don't why we get into it right. So um and uh, Lovecraft Country creator Misha Green who worked with Journey she is, is writing the script. So I think that's cool because uh she was awesome Black Canary was was great in there. Will we see the other Birds of Prey or will this be like a flashback? You know we, no idea. But it this I'm I'm excited that this is happening. So that's cool. There is also going to be a Catwoman animated movie. I don't know if I think this is a Hollywood reporter that usually I get, you know, press releases about the the Warner Brother Home Entertainment, but I don't either. Maybe I totally missed it. But they're doing a Catwoman animated movie, um, Catwoman Hunted, and Elizabeth uh, Gillies is going to be playing Catwoman. Stephanie Beatrice is uh, Batwoman. But um, Jonathan Banks, Mike from Breaking Bad, better call Saul, he's going to be Black Mask. So that's cool. And I think. um, uh, Lauren Cohen is, a uh, playing, who's she playing? Uh, uh, what's her name? Julia Pennyworth, I, I believe. So that, that'll be cool. I'm, I'm excited for it. And it, it, it's great that it's not like Superman or Batman movie. You know, let's have some else. Yes, it's Batman related, but it, I'm, I'm glad that they're, they're taking the risk. It shouldn't be a risk. It's ridiculous. That it's a risk, but it seems like people only want to buy Batman or Superman. And, you know, very rarely the the Justice League adjacent characters, whatever. Westworld Season 4, just a little bit of news. Apparently we're, we'll be seeing more new worlds. Um, no other information. And uh, there's no date on, on when that's going to happen. So we'll have to keep waiting for that. Uh, Carl Weathers mentioned that Mandalorian Season 3 is going to start uh, shooting next month. So it's going to be weird. That, you know, that It's almost like, wasn't it like two years, like back-to-back, we had... The Mandalorian, and now we have to wait, which that's fine, you know. I I always say you know don't don't rush things and make sure you know you do it right and all that. So, because um, I think we're still getting the book of Boba Fett this year, like this December, right? Maybe hope so. We'll see. And um, so I think that's a bit about it for news. And then in comic news. The only comic news that I can recall at the top of my head is there's going to be a Kate Bishop. Hawkeye comic. It's a. It says it's a five issue so it might be just a five issue miniseries. And it seems like most things are miniseries these days, which I find a little annoying. You know, I I, I miss the days of the long running comics, and it shouldn't just be like, oh, you know, this creator only wants to do an arc or two arcs or whatever, and then you know, then they they end the comic, and then they'll bring it back with someone else. Um, you know, because it used to be if someone stops writing it, someone else comes in, it keeps going, but. Maybe it's just a way to easier put it into trades, or just to you know again have that first issue, and you know maybe people are like, oh, maybe I should check this out, even though I don't know. do people are people really falling for that? I don't know. I mean, again, if you want to start reading a series, and all of a sudden it's that issue, you know, like twenty, I mean, like with me and and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you know, it's I tried just jumping in at issue, I think it was nineteen or eighteen, or and I'm like. I don't know what the heck is going on. Even though I I have watched all the buff, you know, cause things are different. It's like a revamped universe. So I, I kind of get that when it's not a number one, you might be like, yeah, I, you know, even though if, even if you know what a character is, you might be like, I don't know what happened before and there could be something and, and and then for me, it's like, well, I'm gonna go back and read it. Which wh- when's that gonna happen? But maybe it'll it'll happen like uh, right before or right after I finish my PlayStation One games that I still haven't finished playing. That i said, oh yeah, I'm gonna finish this this game. So we'll see. <laughs> um, and uh, no monsters news. So sorry, <laughs> that's sad. Uh, but that's gonna be the news for this week. With comic books at Image, we had. Asunder issue 18, so this is the final issue, which is sad, but it was a really really good ending. Um, It was great to see you know a lot of things wrapped up, you know loose ends tied up, you know not necessarily everything, you know it's it's not like, you know everything is. You get what I'm saying. So there is enough closure and some stuff left hanging, you know. So there's a speculation, you know, and makes you wonder. So it was just just really good, and you know, Dustin Nguyen's art is just so gorgeous. I mean, just the watercolors, and and you know, even it's like it's magic. You know, I I just always wonder how you do it, and and you know, even though my, like my daughter has done some watercolors before, and you know, she's tried to explain it to me a little bit. You know, for me, if you've been following me on Instagram, Gman from Heck. You know, I've been doing a lot of digital art, and I love – and it was actually Dustin. I don't know if I mentioned this. Dustin suggested. He's like, hey, you would probably like the digital drawing, you know, whatever. So he's the one that told me to, to, to use the Procreate um, app. And, uh, yeah, so with digital, I, I love how it's so easy to go back and fix and tr- change things and add effects and whatever. But with the watercolors, it's, it seems like it's so easy just to mess up. And maybe it's easy to, to fix it or you know cover it up or so, anyways, it was it was a great ending, and um, yeah, it was it was a little, little emotional, um, you know, just especially you know that that final um, dedication on there and everything. So, so it was good, um, and you know, hopefully someday we'll see this adapted, you know, as as a series or something like that, because this has just been really cool. So now that it is over, if you have not read it, go back. You need to f- get all the Descender trades or whatever and then uh, a it's just it's a really gorgeous and just really jeff lemire's you know story is just just really good so you should be have read that now you don't have to worry about more and more and more piling up uh home number five came out so um this is the final issue of this for now you know they, they it, there was a little thing you know i think it kind of said for now or whatever and it the the story kind of went in a different direction you know i wasn't really expecting it so the the whole story was about a, a mom and a, and a little kid from guatemala you know trying to come into the united states and everything like that they get caught at the border they get separated into detention centers which is just ridiculous and everything and um it turns out you know that the kid has like these superpowers and it's like what he ends up like escaping and he makes it to his his aunt, whose aunt his aunt actually lives in Texas. You know, she she was was already there, and um, it just gets to the point where now, like ICE, you know, immigration is is like they're hardcore going after him, and they're like just shoot on sight type of thing. It's just like holy crap, this is like ridiculous, and and maybe it's a little extreme, but you know, and we also find out that you know he, the kid's not the only one with powers type of thing, so. It was a very interesting approach, you know, in creating this new world universe, comic universe or whatever, and just seeing how, how everything laid out. So very, very interesting. Jupiter's Legacy Requiem issue three of 12. So this is, um, this is so weird, you know, especially after watching the Netflix series and I'm still bummed that, you know, we only got the one season, but at least we got the one season, you know, I should look at it like that, try to be positive positive. And uh, so now, you know, we are looking at, you know, some of the, the, the characters, like, are they the grandkids and everything? You know, so time has, has, has passed because, you know, this is volume. Is this volume three? I, I can't keep track. So, you know, it's it's cool seeing these characters and just and it, because it is all about the legacy and everything like that. And, you know, we got, like, little hints about this, like, deeper secret with the island and other stuff. So there's a lot, lot, of, lot of cool things here. And I it, this is a comic cause where it's like I have no idea what Mark Miller's is doing next. And that, that's what makes it fun and exciting. Then we have not Tara, issue six. So there, what is going on here? So it's a uh, Val is, you know, she, she made it to this refuge place. And um, there's some evil forces, I guess you could say that, that are, are there. And so her and her brother's safety is at stake. And you know, there's this little girl that you know they they kind of took with her. They're, they're transporting the girl and her grandfather. And um, grandfather things didn't go too well for him. Spoiler. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, it is. We're seeing. I'm just. I'm really curious with this all these creatures and just this world. And you know what, what's what is the bigger picture going on? You know, as we're getting like a little more and more information. But also, it's just like like Tony Daniels' art is just it, it's just really amazing. And just I just love seeing how you know he just depicts everything and, you know, just this, this world. And this is like one of those situations, like, man, if someone else was drawing this, you know, I, I would I still be as excited as I am? You know, maybe, but, uh, you know, the art and the writing, they do, you know, they're, they're huge aspects in enjoying a comic. And I, I feel that, right you know interchanging one or the other it it could drastically change the vibe of a story and you know so a lot of time maybe it's just like fate that it works out this way you know whether it's the creators you know we're actually working together collaborating you know that could be part of it also so um this is the end of the first story arc so it'll be um interesting to see what comes up after this and i i I forgot to mention i forgot to mention i forgot to look it's like is like is there gonna be a little break in between i'm i have a feeling maybe that seems like the way it works and it it makes sense because you know if if, whether Tony Daniel needs a break or not he deserves a break so I I'm I'm down with the the image books where they they maybe they take a month or two off in between arcs just to to let the artist you know catch their breath and just get a head start on on the next you know next story arc or whatever because I would rather have that then have someone else come in and then it's just like, wait, this this art just doesn't feel right or whatever. So so I have to look into it. I should know, but yeah, I don't know off the top of my head. Then we have Radiant Black issue, what issue are we at? Issue 7. So this is becoming more and more fascinating because you know it started off with you know this guy came across this this suit this power you know he's radiant black but then there was this other person and then they were kind of fighting and then something happened to one it was just like what what the what's going on and now we're we're discovering that there's other you know they're all kind of different colors and someone I think someone kind of joked how this was like like a uh, Kyle Higgins uh, take on the Power Rangers because as you you may you should probably know he he wrote Power Rangers for a few quite a few issues and you know because he really lo- likes the franchise so, so this I mean it, it is this is not Power Rangers but the fact that there's all these different like colored uh, suit wearing people and there is this like bigger story behind you know where all these came from and everything like that but it's kind of interesting that all these different people kind of kind of stumbled across these suits and you know they all kind of have different powers and everything and you know they don't know who each other are and you know whether are they uh, what are their 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 um characters could be you know questionable you know like what what are their motives and everything like that so this is i'm really enjoying this because that's again this is the glory of the creator own books where it's like, you know, anything goes, you, you don't know what's going to happen versus like, if it was like an Avengers book or justice, you know, if things have to within reason, you know, there's, there's not a lot of room for, you know, things to just really go off the rails. Then we have a uh, time before time issue four. So this is uh written by Declan Shelby and Rory McConville. And then uh, we have the art by Joe Palmer. So this is a uh, just time travel, <laughs> so that, that that makes things just really crazy. Where uh, you know the this organization, whatever they have these like time travel pods, and you know people can go and kind of like a witness relocation type of thing, where you know if you pay the money, you can you know escape from whatever you want. And so this uh, dude was wanted to take a pod, but then this lady who was like an FBI agent or something like that. She's like, hey, she holds them at gunpoint and they're going and they get trapped in this other time, whatever and there's these other organizations there's just a lot going on and it's a it's um pretty pretty interesting. Um, you know, because again, I have no idea what what is happening, you know, what, what all this means. So you should definitely um be, be checking that out. And then I didn't read anything at IDW this week, and then um, at boom, I hope there was nothing because I realized I didn't read anything. Um, Eat the Rich number one came out. I did not read that. I was um I'm really curious, but I, I don't know. So it's a uh, it's by Sarah Gailey and P.S. Bach, which I'm not really familiar with, with their work. What unspeakable horror eats away at the heart of Crestfall Bluffs? With law school and her whole life ahead of her, Joey plans to summer with her boyfriend Aster in his seemingly perfect hometown of Crestfall Bluffs. It's a chance to finally meet Astra's family and childhood friends, all while enjoying a vacation with every need attended to by servants. But beneath the affluent perfection lies a dark, deadly rot. Will Joey discover the truth before it's too late? And if she does, can she survive to tell the tale? The bold, horrifying psychological thriller from Hugo Award-winning author Sarah Gailey, who did Echo Wife and Magic for Liars with artist Pius, Bach, Firefly, The Magician's, Perfect for fans of Stillwater Nailbiter. So yeah, um, I don't think I read that whole thing. I, sh- I-, I should read this comic. So I will do my best to remember to read that and talk about it next week because that, that actually sounds um pretty interesting. Okay, then at DC Comics. So um, hopefully I'm going to remember everything. I'm having trouble because now that there's no DC app, I'm reading stuff... you know, I'm reading the DC books on comiXology and I'm not a huge fan of the interface the way it is and just having to keep, and it's also a lot of times when I, and I have it open, it keeps like um, kicking me back out to the, like the main, the front of comiXology. I would love for it to remember, Hey, I'm on a DC, you know, comics page here. So if I close my iPad, turn off my iPad, come back on, I would love to be on that that same place and not, because ha- I have to go browse. I have to go to the, the publishers, you know, the second tab, and I scroll down just a tiny bit to DC, and uh, yeah. So, <laughs> boohoo, Tony. But and then also like with with the Marvel, what was weird is you know because I read the Marvel comics on a Marvel app, but what I noticed is um, not all the Marvel books were in the Marvel app this week. And then, so I read some of the Marvel app, then I had to go to Comixology Marvel for the other ones, which is, I don't know what's going on here. So um, with uh, DC, apparently Suicide Squad King Shark number two came out. I didn't read the first one, and maybe I should. I don't know. Flash 773 came out. So we have Wally kind of front and center here, and um, he's going up against Heatwave. Heatwave's uh, sick. He's dying. So he's, you know, even he kind of reformed, but he's just like, I'm just gonna kill everyone or whatever, and he's like starting fires, and you know, it's not cool. So Wally's trying to stop him, but Wally also took on a new job. He he was working as a mechanic, but then it turned out that this this company was owned by Mister Terrific, and he's like, dude, I'll hook you up with something better, type of thing. You know, Wally's like, I don't want a handout. He's like, no, that's fine. You know, and he's like he has a lot of freedom where he can do kind of what he wants you know come and go as he, within reason so you know he's going out you know trying to fight uh heat wave and trying to save people and so it was it was, a, it was a good story nightwing 83 so nightwing just made you know crazy discovery about you know his past his parents past, and everything like that and um that's kind of changing like the, the slight direction with the one character that was introduced a few, few issues ago. And, um, there's still, you know, block blockbuster is the, the big, big baddie in Bloodhaven. So, you know, what is, is Dick going to do against them? And, um, we're also seeing that, you know, someone else has, is, is putting Nightwing in their target site or whatever. So, but this is just a great comic. I mean, Tom Taylor's doing you know an amazing job and and Bruno Redondo is, is is the art is just gorgeous so I'm I'm just I'm loving this book I'm so glad that we have just you know this awesome creative team on here Catwoman issue thirty four I'm I'm still just um, you know okay with with this yeah so she's fighting at this this Father Valley dude and um, you know Batman kind of showed up at the end when you know she was all wounded and you know she jumps into the gotham harbor which i you know she's got a big you know gash in her side and bleeding out i don't think the gotham harbor, harbor water is that clean that that would be you know good for her whatever then she's like well okay i'm going back out after after this dude so there's more fighting and stuff okay then we have a uh, batman catwoman issue six tom king clayman I'm, I'm not really enjoying this series so much. I, I hate to say, and, uh, I mean, it is kind of interesting, but do we have like different time timelines going on here? Um, what is, there's like the present. There's, there's like the future. Is there two or is there three? Maybe there's, there's, well, cause we have the, the, the timeline where uh, actually, I don't know. So, you know, cause we're seeing like old Selena and, and Joker cause, uh, I don't want to spoil what happened. Something drastic happened, or whatever, and uh, you know they Selena and and Batman have a daughter, which you know she's just kind of cool character. Oh, and, uh, so there maybe there's I'm trying to think. Do we have a two futures? Because then there's a present with a uh, Batman and, and Catwoman and and Phantasm, but part of it is I mean it, while it's I I would say it's pretty clear when we're jumping back and forth through the time or whatever, but it's just like. I don't know. So I, I, I feel like because of the different story, like, are they all connected? I mean, Joker's involved, you know, but I don't know. It's just just not really going working for me. Um, Superman Red and Blue Issue 6. I I don't think I, I read this. I don't know if I opened this. Um, I'm sure this is this will be good. You know, there's uh, always a lot of good stories. Maybe it did. I, I think I did. Let me see. I think I might have read this yeah so I, I did read this and um they're i mean they're 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 good stories i i just wonder like who who is loving this series i mean it, it's cool you know the opportunity to see all these these really good writers these really good artists you know to give their their sh- get their shot at superman and tell uh, their stories but i guess i i'm always looking at, at the cost factor and you know, while we get these good stories, they're not changing anything in the big picture. Not all comics need to do that. You know, you it it is possible, and it is good to have comics that are just enjoyable. But I guess I, I'm looking at it where you know it's like okay, here's a huge list of comics and everything, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're you're like okay, I got to get this, I got to get this, and um, so. It's just there. There's a. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm. i know. I, I. may sound a little distracted here. I. I lost my. My spot on the, the Comixology app because I went back and then somehow I. But that was like my fault. I hit the wrong thing. But it's like, oh, this is so annoying. So, anyways, um, it's fine. You, I, I, It's for the the true Superman fans. Unless you're a fan of like a really big fan of a, like a certain writer or artist, you know. It's you're not missing anything in terms of like the regular continuity and i hate to say that but there are some really cool um stories but yeah it's just you have to make that choice um supergirl woman of tomorrow issue three i'm i'm kind of losing a little interest in this uh, you know supergirl is still going on her mission with this uh alien girl and um Supergirl's starting to do some more you know because in uh the like the second issue or whatever she there wasn't a whole lot of and there's just like you know hints of action here or there because you know they're kind of like on this uh not really a train ride or you know the space or whatever and uh yeah, it wasn't a train so I don't know and and so I maybe I, maybe it's because of the crypto stuff that I'm just like I'm, I'm holding it against it so I don't know. We'll we'll see what's going to happen. Superman and Authority issue two. I'm intrigued with this comic. While I'm I'm not a big Manchester Black fan, um, I I like this kind of like alternate timeline where you know Superman. This is a slightly older Superman, and you know just different generations and you know characters are are different. And um, just seeing like what Superman is trying to set up and. So I'm, I'm really intrigued. And of course, you know, with M- Mikhail Janin's art and, you know, Grant Morrison writing, it's, it's, it's a, it's a gorgeous book. And um, I'm, I'm so now, you know, making the argument, what I said about Superman, the counter, what I was saying, where this obviously is not going to have an impact in the regular Superman comics. But I think the difference here is because these are full issues. And this is like, you know, obviously more than one issue. Cause this is issue two versus the, the red and blue, you're getting eight pages or however long this, the stories are, and then that's it. You know, so you're just getting this little bite-sized story of this whatever different moment in Superman's life or different telling, and so yeah, that's that's the difference here, I guess, for me. I don't know. Shazam issue two. So Billy Batson, he, something's going on with his, you know, him accessing the power of Shazam, and part of it has to do with the uh, the Rock of Eternity like missing, being missing and uh so he with a fellow classmate or whatever you want to call it at the titans academy they actually end up going to hell because that's where the rock of eternity is and um obviously there's gonna be some problems they're gonna run into some bad people there whether or not billy batson will be able to use his powers or not or how reliable are there so there's some some bad things happening for him and then there is, uh, I think the last one I read was Batman Secret Files: Clown Hunter. So this was, um, you know, I'm at, when when I first saw Clown Hunter, I wasn't super crazy about him, but seeing more and more, I'm I'm a little more intrigued with him, kind of kind of curious, to, you know, to see you know what what is he gonna do, or whatever. And um, you know, so we we do see some more where you know he's he's tracking down some of the, the jokers or you know people that are so loyal to joker signing up for things and and um he kind of gets gets he gets he falls for a trap basically and uh you know so things don't really quite work out for him too well and um so this was just a one shot i believe because uh at the end like someone does kind of make a like reach out to him like hey you know i can help you out and everything and and, and he's kind of like no thanks type of thing so we'll have to see where it's gonna go from there, but um I'm I'm I kinda interested, you know, I in the in the character. I don't know, I think. I think I like him. I don't know. I mean, do I wanna see more? I really don't know. I mean, I don't I don't want him to kinda be like another Robin because I mean his methods obviously are way different than Batman's and, and maybe he'll tone down his violence and his brutality. But the fact is he has a friggin' baseball bat with a battering sticking out of it that he's like hits people with. So uh there's that um over at marvel so now uh refreshing the or after it's been a few days obviously but now the marvel app appears i think to have everything because now there's a bunch of stuff that aren't downloaded here because they're downloaded in the Comicsology app so hopefully i'm gonna remember everything so black hat issue nine came out and as you can see star is on there so star was in captain marvel star has one of the infinity stones like in her type of thing whatever she has i think the reality one so uh in the black hat annual black hat uh broke into this facility thing and it turned out nick fury jr had her body in this whatever he somehow captured star so black hat's like hey i just set you free she's so like you know I can help you out or you can go, you know, good luck on your own. Nick Fury's not, you know, junior is not a guy to mess with. And so there's some interesting things like with what she's going on. And she's also like, she tried. She's, I think she's went, tried going after the the time dude, the, the, the guy that was it that guy that was in jail. I, I i am really, it's weird that black hat is like involved with all this stuff. And as you've seen the previews or, you know, those infinite destinies, whatever is coming with that. So, um, it's, it's pr- pretty interesting whatever um some free comic book day issues so i love the fact that these were available on the marvel app and comiXology so there's a avengers one and the hulk and um there's some some crazy things going on so like with the avengers one it, it's like we see this planet and everything's like kind of devastated there's like this weird avengers tower all these death locks and then we see like these different versions of Avengers. There's like this Atlant- Atlantis, this world, I guess, where Atlantis didn't fall, whatever. So these deathlocks are going out. Then they get attacked. And I have no idea. So uh, the assault begins at Avengers 50. Wait, that's not on sale yet, though. But then there's also a Hulk story. So Donny Cates and Ryan Otley. And uh, Hulk kind of goes up against uh, MODOK. So that was kind of interesting, and he's uh, taking some stuff, and and it kind of sounds like he he just wants to he's tired of everyone, and he just wants to go out in space and be alone. So he's gathering all this machinery stuff, but I don't know. And then um, there was a Spider-Man Venom Free Comic Book Day issue. So there was the the Spider-Man one is uh, the Ben Riley. I don't know what's going on here because you know. So we had Ben Riley come back. And then, uh, so now he's working with this organization and, um, there was something that he mentioned. I don't remember what it was where it, it seemed weird that he wasn't aware of, I don't, don't even remember what it was, but yeah. So he's working with this beyond corporation and, um, they know who he is, you know, he's just like, you know, takes, he's, he's, they know he's Ben Riley, and it's just, i don't trust them but i don't know what's going on and then there's a amazing spider-man um test drive story so why is this called amazing spider-man no amazing spider-man test drive venom oh that was okay that was an amazing spider-man story venom is uh so basically dylan uh eddie brock's son is in the venom symbiote and um because wait was this the one where they talk about it because where eddie yeah eddie's out in space okay and then we get this um this weird it's like so i don't think this is part of the story but there's just a like tiny bit about kingpin and uh which i guess is tying into daredevil so that's weird that it was in here even though there's like no it's just like spider-man venom plus kingpin which you know he's related but whatever um, gamma flight issue three I'm I'm struggling with this one because one I don't I think like the I think my my main problem is like the Rick Jones the way he is here and you know, he's like fused with this other person which I'm not even sure who the other per- I must I, even though I've been reading Immortal Hulk I totally don't know who this other person is and I'm not it's really clear how that state happened um because maybe I've been like skimming through some of the books that's probably why I don't know but and it's all the leaders fault you know i'm i'm i can safely assume that but uh, it just i just don't like the, the way i don't like the visual and the, the fact that that's rick jones and you know um yeah so I, I don't really know what's going on in this series and i'm just i'm kind of kind of losing interest in it um, guardians of the galaxy for some reason there, there's something here as well so they're, they're, it's, it's, I think my, my problem here, it's kind of interesting having Dr. Doom out in space and, and help sort of helping out, you know, how selfish, or whatever his, his means are. But the fact that he's like, so, so easily just like, yeah, well, he, he just, he's just like sliding into, you know, dealing with all this stuff in space and it's like, okay, he's a brilliant dude and everything. And yeah, you know, you have like Reed Richards going out in space, but this is different because Dr. Dooms hasn't really spent a lot of time in space. And then the whole thing with Dormammu taking over like Eagle. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's something different, I guess. So you you got that. Iron Man issue 11. So Tony Stark's like been on this like other world, this other stuff. And um, that's kind of wrapped up. So I guess he's going to finally go back to looking, dealing with the core back or whatever. So that will maybe that'll be wrapped up soon. It's just crazy. This is issue 11. The, the storyline is, is still going on. King to Conquer, issue one. This was another. Um, maybe I should read this The Origin of King. The man called King to Conquer has been a pharaoh villain, a warlord, space, and But so this is just kind of weird. Um, I guess I'm kind of wondering, like, where is this coming from? And I wonder if it's because of King, you know, becoming a part of the MCU that, you know, they're like, hey, let's let's do this comic and get this out there, and, you know, so we can put it in a trade and, and sell it and stuff like that, but it's just interesting seeing, because I think Kang is, is a complex character, just because of the time travel, and just, you know, changing his own history, and you know, just like the young Avengers, and just like everything, and so I'm not really clear how this all fits in, because, you know, is it like a multiverse thing? Because there is like Kang and, and young King, so it's like yeah, so I, there's that, but it, it was, um, it, it is an interesting story. Marauders issue 23, so we have more, um, there's, there's, like, you know, it'd been so, so, Krakoa, you know, there's all these Krakoan drugs that are helping people, you know, lots of cures, miracle cures and stuff like that, and they're making, you know, the X-Men, the mutants are making money off of this, and there's been a shortage and just, like, stuff going on, and, um, People are, are like targeting them and then there's the the Verendi, the group, whatever. Um there I mean there is one development there where one one member is like, you know, maybe I don't really, you know, wanna continue this war against Krakoa and, and the mutants or whatever, so we'll have to see what, what happens um there. Miles Morales, uh Spider Man Annual. This was okay, I would say. You know, this um uh we have that one character uh Amulet who was in um Ms. Marvel. Um but I feel like nothing like really major happened here. Um it was just it was like it was a fine story. You know, it's cool to see Miles with this different character, but yeah, I, I wasn't like blown away with it. Moon Knight issue two. Um this was good. And I I love it. I, I I'm I don't know. if I had to say which one did I love better, like issue one or two, um I'm not really sure. There there's a there's an interesting battle here. Let's just put that, you know, to, to who Moon Knight goes up against. And he the way he he obviously is it obvious, but the way he defeats this character here is kind of interesting and um I feel like I I don't I guess I don't understand how he knew that he could have won with the the way that they fight, you know, cause it's not just like a regular fight. I'll, I'll say that. And, you know, so I don't know, I don't think I want to call it arrogance or anything, or maybe he's just like really aware of like what the situation was, but I feel like that there is just like a lot of unknowns and for him to say, yeah, I'm willing to do this. Cause there's a, like a lot of at risk here. And it's, it's not like, okay, I'm going to fight this, you know, room full of bad guys and i could get killed it seemed like a little there's he there's he would be less in control i guess in in this different environment or whatever and, and again i really don't want to um spoil things but throughout all this there is someone watching from the shadows if you read the first issue so um yeah moon knight's gonna have his hands full soon and he's not aware of it but, but um i am L- liking to see like how his his crusade you know is working people coming in just how all the little details i'm, I'm digging at. sinister ward um issue three did that come out this week i guess so i i feel like um it's kind of more the same just a, a lot of fighting and um i i can't even t- i don't even think anything like there's any major revelations any, any major progress unless I'm just totally forgetting, but I I feel like it was just more, you know, it's, it's cool to seeing all these different characters fighting and, and seeing like what their motives are and kind of like where they're falling, you know, what, what they're deciding to do, you know, who, who they're going to kind of back or whatever. But I I feel like it didn't really push the story that far forward. Spider-Woman issue 14. So Jessica is a, you know, She found out that like her brother um, is the one who is trying to steal this data, this cure for his, his daughter. And, um, but he's using it for different means. So Jessica is having to fight him and everything. And I, yeah, so it, it, it it would seem like a kind of weird issue, you know, with, with the way um, it happened. Then we had Star Wars issue 16 and Star Wars War of the um, Bounty Hunters issue 3. So there's a, a little overlap with, with these. And um, I forgot, I, th- I think I started reading Star Wars first, but then there was a mention of a little battle between Boba Fett and Chewbacca. So then I went back and read War to Bounty Hunters. I think that's how it works. So then you see how that played out and everything. So, you know, it's a, a lot where at the the big gala thing where they're bidding on han solo and then darth vader's like i'm taking him and everything because he realizes that you know that could be a way to um he could use han solo to get the luke but then you know luke's showing up and so there's all that but it was also interesting that um uh what's her name how do you say her name kira 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 anyways so yeah it's a. Uh, uh it but at the same time so it's like you know it's cool seeing these overlaps and i I know i mentioned this uh last time but i almost feel like it's not really necessary because some of the overlap like it could be condensed a little more so it almost feels like it's it's dragging it out a little longer like like maybe it's just a way to sell more comics which obviously is something that they they want to do but it just seems um Like, we could get this story over with... Not that I'm trying to rush it. Like, it should be over right away. But when you're reading a bunch of stuff and then you have, like, a page or panel or two pages whatever to overlap stuff and they're just explaining what happened in the other issue that just came out at the same time in case you're not reading it, then it's like, well, why do that? Because then it's just... It's wasting space. And So, I don't know. Um, (laughs) War of X not war of x way of the x um i'm i'm just like thinking of other things <laughs> like okay what am i doing after this anyways uh so there's stuff going on here with a uh, legion and as you can see on the cover we have a uh, onslaught so there, there's kind of a big deal happening here and i'm wondering if this is kind of leading up towards something coming up you know soon and um I don't really want to give away, but there, there, there has there's something to do with like onslaught and the the fact that mutants are able to resurrect themselves. So it there may be like a price for all, all these resurrections, you know, and that the it's cool that they they can do this. But I've always said that it kind of takes the th- the threat away, where someone's like, "Okay, I'm just going to jump in here, and if something happens, it doesn't matter because I'll just get resurrected, and I may lose a day of memories or something like that." But I can, you know, stop this thing and do that. So it looks like there could be like a, a bigger bigger issue here. X Court Issue Four. Um, I'm just I I'm intrigued with this series, but. I, I don't know maybe it's just the fact that there's so many X Men books and trying to keep up with them and um, well not, not that's not really a, that big of a problem but it's just this whole business aspect I love these covers let me let me just say that you know I, I really like the how the the minimalism or whatever and um, I don't know it just uh, while it is interesting having the X Men from like the you know taking the on the business world type of thing um, Monet I feel like I just feel like she's just not that she's—it's bad for her to be arrogant or smart, but it's almost like how she's talking down to Angel all the time, and it's—I—I I guess I don't know. I'm kind of looking at it as like Angel is like one of the original X-Men. You know, he's been around a lot longer than you know, so he's older than Monet, and it, I almost feel like there's not that much of an age difference with it, with them. And um, you know, she kind of messed up a little bit. You know, some stuff happened here. And, you know, she's to blame for some stuff and. So, I, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm trying to see, like, where is this going? Because, you know, there's been a whole thing is like where they're trying to establish who's going to be on the board of x Corps and get, like, extra perks. And I just, like, I kind of don't care about that. Um, but it is it is a good change of pace, so it's not just another X-Men book, you know, not just, you know, fighting, whatever. But I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm kind of struggling with it. And then we have X-Men Trial of Magneto, where, you know, uh, it's you know I mean it's on the cover. Scarlet Witch was killed at the X Men gala, and uh, who did it? And you know it. They're kind of leaning towards like it, it was probably Magneto. Doesn't make sense, but what happened? You know they were together. Something's going on, and um, things are just going to get messy because obviously with with Magneto and his arrogance, you know it. It's not like they they they'll just be able to sit. And discuss this. So, um, it's a it was a it was a good start. Um, yeah, I just I don't know where this is gonna go. And and uh, the one thing is, you know, speaking of resurrections and all that, it seems kind of crappy. Where I think they kind of if I if I unless I read it wrong, they had to vote like should we resurrect Scarlet Witch and um, the majority of the the so circle or whatever. They're like, no, we're not going to. But it's like, dude, here's someone who was killed at your function. So where is your security or whatever? So someone gets killed, and you're just going to be like, well, that's too bad because, oh, you were kind of dangerous. You did some bad things before. But let it, you know. Never mind the fact that you have Omega Red, you have Juggernaut, yet you, you know all these mutants are given a second. Yep, you, you have friggin' Shadow King. I'm still not clear. There's shadow, dude. They know Shadow King is there, like um, influencing the kids into doing questionable things. But even though Scarlet Witch has been an Avenger and has saved the world, saved the world time and time again they're like well she just said no more mutants so we're gonna hold a grudge and yeah that sucks what she did but I I think it's it's kind of crappy if they don't resurrect. I don't understand maybe I need to read it again <laughs> but I am interested in where, where the story is gonna go like I, what what are they gonna do there's no way they're gonna leave her dead you know that would be that would be dumb just like you don't kill crypto <laughs> you don't kill Scarlet Witch. I, anyways, I, I that's enough. That's comics for the week. Okay, with DC's Legends of Tomorrow season six, episode twelve, board on board on board. So it picks up from the last issue. The Legends leave the bowling alley. John, you know, he wants things to go back to normal, meaning he wants his Zari back. Which John is just being kind of annoying. You know, he's he's been taking his vampire juice stuff to get his magic back or whatever. And he's just, he's, you know, he's always been a little arrogant or smug or whatever, but he's just like, like worse, you know, than the normal, whatever. And I guess that's kind of the point of, you know, what we're seeing, but it turns out they're going to have to spend three weeks on the ship in space. Cause the ship's messed up since John magic them across, you know, time and space or whatever. So they have to go just a regular way and everything like that. So it starts, we see like day one, Ava uh, is showing Sarah, her binders about the wedding. And you know, she's got like Alice, like super crazy detail plans, you know, all this information, everything like that. Um, and then, you know, we also see they're just, they mentioned it, There's like one group that's, going to be invited to last minute and Barry Allen's like on, on that list. Sarah's like, is like, Oh, I love Barry, whatever. And she's like, Oh yeah. You know, I know that, but we, we both know if Barry and Iris are there, there's a high chance of supervillains will attack and you know, whatever like that. So it's like, that seems kind of crappy whatever. Um, but then uh, Sarah, there's like a, like a time thing, you know, what odometer, I don't know what I'm trying to say. That's showing like how long the trip is going to take. And uh, Sarah notices the trip's getting longer and it's because of power consumption. So if they're using a lot of energy and stuff, that's slowing the ship down. So Sarah goes in the other room. She turns out the TV where Nate and Berard are, are playing video games. Um, Astros like order, ordering Gideon to make like, this huge meal, whatever. And Ava like stops it. So it's like, you know, make it yourself type of thing. And then uh, John uh, has Zari try something you know she's trying something on and it's it's like a little big i think it was a she comes out in a robe or maybe it was something else and then he uses like magic outside her room to make it fit just right or something like that then his like wrist cramps up and he's like on all this pain so he has to drink more to vampire juice and then so she comes out like this big cotton robe so i don't know if she's trying something on underneath the robe and she's going to show him or i don't i don't know but then um uh she, she tells uh Berard, that john's taking her on a spa date or something like that so then day three nate is uh doing yoga with Berard and, and zari Berard is he's like kind of leading it john comes in with a uh, mat then he used like magic to change the vibe of the room you know there's like candles and rose petals, like all this stuff and it's a lot warmer and then you know he's going to take off his pants and Berard asks him to keep his pants on because you know no one wants to see that or some people do maybe. Um, John is getting upset about the flow he created, and, and it's like, "Well, you like hijacked my flow and everything like that." John's like, "Well, I improved it," and he's like, "This is bullocks. And then you know he's gonna leave, and then Zari, of course, goes after him. So Sarah, uh, then she's talking to Ava. She mentioned, I think she, she says something about like Black Siren being her sister. You know, going to a wedding, whatever. John and Zari all walk up, and uh, you know he mentions knowing that when he's state his welcome or something like that, and Ava's like, it's only day three. It's like, you know, there shouldn't be so much stress. And Sarah's like, well, we we need a mission, like a game. And then Gary's like, because he wanted to play a game before, so they're going to play a game. They're all sitting around a table. Gary's leading with the rules. And so basically, they have to, you know, there are going to be these different characters. There's like these cards that they picked as, as to who they are. And they have to accuse someone of being a beast, like a murderer or something like that. And, um, and then they die or something like that or whatever so gary gets very dramatic um with how he starts the game so john of course jumps up and takes over he uses magic he's like how about we go on a real adventure So they're now dressed in the outfits of the characters they got. Like Ava was a detective, so she's kind of dressed like Sherlock. Sarah was like a black widow. Zari was a prima donna. John was a a consumptive doctor. Spooner was a hunter, whatever, all this stuff like that. So they're in a, a, now in this place, it looks like John's house. It's not really John's house because it's like all magic. So how they're in the game. But um, it's just like their imagination. I don't understand. So Gary's like left alone on, on the ship and on a table. So he's looking at the board game and he sees like the, the, the pieces there. So he can still narrate it. He flips a card and then it's like dinner time. So he moves the, the, the game, the character pieces to a table. And in the game, the legends actually kind of get, they get moved across the rooms, whatever, to the table. Then an alarm goes off. There's a distress beacon for an approaching vessel. So Rory comes in because, of course, you know, he, no way he would play the game. He's yelling, "What's that racket?" And and he's wearing a hat because his hair apparently grew overnight. The ship docks. Rory says, "You know, he, you know, he he's the captain now since they're all gone, whatever." So he's getting ready to kill whatever comes in, and it turns out it's Kayla, the alien that got him pregnant. So um, back at the game, you know, uh, the, the card flips, whatever. First kill. The light goes out. And Ava, the detective, is dead. And she has a card pinned on her that says dead. She can't talk because um, the dead have no voice. So they, they're they trying to figure out who it could be. They, they kind of all agree that, oh, let's accuse Nate type thing. He's like, what? What'd I do? And then it turns out he dies. And then he has a knife in his back with a card that says, guess again. Spooner checks his pulse and she's like, he's really dead. And John's like, oh, trust me, he's fine or whatever. Aster pulls out the knife and then Sarah's like, she asks um, John, like, what changed, whatever, you know, why is Nate's death so different than Ava's? And then he says, he's like, why ask me? You should ask Gary. He's like, I just made it more exciting. And then he starts, like, coughing some blood or whatever. And Astra's like, you're acting like you're a character, a consumptive doctor, whatever. And Sarah's like, you know, if if we're becoming more like our characters, and then Berard finds um, dead Ava lying on the floor in the other room with, like, blood. So Sarah says that, you know, John's gone too far. So, you know, she's putting an end to this, and then she's like, she says, fine, I'm the, and then the room goes dark. When the light comes back on, she's dead, lying next to Ava. So they wonder if Sarah was going to confess, and they all pull out their cards, but they're blank. So Sarah's, her card says, you're all going to die in here. So, like, what's going on here? Rory, um, on the ship, he brings Kayla to the med room, you know, because she's, like, injured or something like that. Um, She came there for her ship, uh, because I think one of her tentacles, Lefty, as gary called it was like injured or, or got severed or something like that so she's uh she's there for for her ship and you know gary and rory's like well it's it's not here so you know they i think they must they maybe they use some of the tech or something for the wave rider so that's why Kayle was able to detect it and rory says her ship's on earth which is where they're headed so he wants to patch her up he takes her to um he takes off her ring this is where she reverts to alien form and then rory sees one of her t- tentacles is sliced so um, she says that uh, she w- she got stung, um, so she had to amputate the tentacle to keep the poison from spreading. Gary says that her tentacles are regenerative, but Rory um, turns on the meat printer to give her a new one. You know, that's what he calls it, the meat printer and, and whatever. And then uh, she notices the destination is going up. Gary explains that the jump drive is broken. So she's healed and she puts her ring back on. Gary says that, you know, she can go back to her ship now. And she says, or you can take me to your mainframe. I can fix your jump drive. You know, so that way they can all get what they want a lot quicker. As she works, Rory starting to ask how she got off the one planet. He starts to say, you know, like if he knew she was alive, you know, he would have done something. But then she says, like, she points out that he bolted right away in her ship. You know, he apologizes and you know she starts to explain how she got away you know she never thought she'd run into these bozos again rory's about to tell her news um about being you know pregnant whatever but gary wants to talk to him first he's like don't tell her you're pregnant if she finds out she might perform this like Necrian love grip or something like that if she thinks he's an unfit parent she could knock him out and eat his brain or something like that so while they're talking kayla puts some device on on where she's working so i don't know if it was a I don't know if it was a camera. I don't really understand what she did. Gary says to keep an eye on her and remember not to trust her, which obviously they shouldn't. Back at the house, uh, Spooner pulls her rifle out and says one of them did it. Aster said, "Well, it's, you know, Sarah couldn't have been the beast, otherwise the game would be over." John puts some like ingredients in a pot and he drinks it. He does more magic. He gets tossed across the room saying the game won't let them take a shortcut, so they'll have to finish the game. Spooner looks at the rules, there's only two outcomes in the game, either the humans kill the beast or the beast kills all the human. and it seems like the game's just going to keep going. So the characters will get redealt and the game goes on and on. So something's going on, I don't know whether it's John's magic, but something, they're like trapped in this game. So Astra says, "If they're becoming their characters, maybe she can use her powers as a soothsayer to find out." So they sit around a circle. She's looking at crystal ball. The beast speaks through her, saying that um, it's there and it's gonna kill them forever. Spooner wants to look around for a way out. She's like, "If if anyone comes at me, she's like, I'm gonna, you know, I'll shoot your head off." Except Astra, because she trusts her for some reason. So they go upstairs, and then they end up going like in circles or like back downstairs or something. Barar tells Zari to keep an eye on, on John, like in a defensive way, while he goes looking. She um, goes to get John some water, something like that. And then when John's alone, he takes a drink from his flask, It so takes more of the vampire blood. In the kitchen, as she's getting ice, um, it's like something moves in the shadow, like behind her, but she doesn't see it. Spooner and Astor still going in circles. Spooner's getting frustrated. She throws like something through the window, and then there's lightning, and then the killer comes at them. You hear scream. So then berard's hands are all bloody zari comes up to him and he tells her not to go in the other room so spooner and astra are both dead so she looks anyways and then berard asks he's like well where's john and he tells john he's like i know it was you he's like you know it's all your fault and john's like you're oh you're blaming the magic again and berard's like i'm not blaming the magic he's like you know you just had to show off using your powers and john's like oh you're just jealous so they're accusing each other being the killer So Zari has to decide, you know, she has to because they have to vote like on who to kill her as they all have to agree, but she doesn't want to choose between them. And John's like, he's like, well, I'm just going to go lock myself up since, you know, I'm a bloody maniac. So he goes upstairs on the wave rider. uh, Gary finds a trail of like ooze or liquid or something like that. And that the time counter is going up. So Gideon tells him that the device Rory calls the meat printer is using a considerable amount of power. And then he finds Lefty, the tentacle, at the printer, and <laughs> it's so cheesy. It attacks Gary. So Rory asks Gideon if ship's ready to jump. She says the drive is fixed, but there's some trouble. Gary's being attacked in the bedroom, and Rory's like, you know, by who? So Caleb pulls her gun on him. He asks her like what she's doing and you know, why she's doing this, and she says because he left her. And, and then she's like, and he got me out. I owe him. So it's like, wait, who are you talking about? So Gary's being choked by Lefty. He sees a meat printer's like printing out a person. You see some feet are are printing, but like, who could this be? Kayla raises the gun to Rory's face and then he yells out, I'm pregnant! And he closes his eyes. (laughs) It's kind of funny the way he does it. Then she looks at him, she lowers the gun, she takes off his hat and sees like a full head of hair. She touches his head and then I guess she does that love grip thing and then she pushes over. So he's like knocked out. So Barard and Zari. They say that if they get out, he's like he he tells her he's that he's gonna come clean to their parents. And she's like she says something and then he, he um points out her jerky magic boyfriend in order to talk. He's like, Oh, you're really gonna do this, whatever. And she says that it, you know, she doesn't see it. He's or he says she doesn't see it. He's been acting like like a you know a jock on steroids since he came back from the fountain. And he says that, you know, John's a beast. You know, they can both accuse him and end this. But she's like, I can't. And he's like, why not? She's like, because I love him. Then Barrar's like, I haven't heard you say that about anyone before. And she's like, well, I've never felt this. And so, you know, she can see herself with him. You know, he makes her happy. And um, then Barrar's like, have you told him this? She's like, no. She's like, you know, that makes me, you know, scared. So Barrar's like, well, you, you know, you got to take the leap. John coughs up more blood and attic. Then a mask plague person, you know, with like the plague doctors um, from like the old times, you know, the big pointy things come us out at him, and uh he says that he can end the game, he knows how, he just won't do it. With every sip he takes, he makes a, um, the, the, the prison and this, this dude stronger or whatever. He says that John isn't in control, it's in control of John, John tells him, to kill him because he's tired of game. He says that, you know, he loves the power and he loves him. John punches a dude's mask off and the, the dude, the plague dude has John's face. So he says that, you know, he's doomed his lover. The game gave him a destructive playground. He's, uh, um, pulled by, you know, John's new addiction. John yells, I'll kill you. And he attacks. And then Zari and Brad hear him yell. They run upstairs. They see the creature holding John up as he, you know, as he like takes a, a look at him or whatever, he's like, This is who who he really is. But Zari doesn't see his face, so she stabs the the dude in the back with the fire poker, he screams, and then they're all back on the wave rider or, like around the table. So and like Nate like reaches for his back to see if there's still a knife there, and Ava gasps, she's like, Sarah's a beast, but it's like too late. Ferrar's like, no, he's like, There was an actual beast. And then John says, like, it's like you can't give Gary any responsibility without him buggering it up. It's like, dude, you're the one that messed it up. So this is another reason why John's just so annoying. Ava wants to try again. They're like, no. Then Sarah looks outside and asks if they're home. Then the lefty's like slinking across the floor and they're like, ew. So John's feeling woozy as he walks through the halls. Spooner's happy because she caught lefty. John tells Sarah and Ava that he has a huge hangover from the magic. He tells Zara that he's just going to go hang at the house. Barrar tells um, sorry, he's going to jump to 2044 and tell mom, but then he's like, well, maybe not. Maybe I'll just go enjoy your cooking. So he's decided that he's not going to tell him. John is um, at his house, and he opens up the flask, and he's getting ready to dump it down to sink. But then he's like, kind of like struggling, and he looks at his reflection like a serving platter, and he's like, get rid of it, get rid of it. And then he screws a cap back on, so he's not going to get rid of it. But I wonder, like, how many flasks does he have and, you know, how often he's going to be getting them or whatever. What's going to be the price? So uh, then Sarah and Ava are looking for Gary. They see an alien crouched on the floor, and they're like, where are your your glasses or whatever? Spooner, Nate, and Astra find Rory lying on the floor. Spooner checks his pulse. He's alive. And Nate's like, and he has hair. (laughs) Then Zari visits John with some tea. He's passed out on the sofa. She wants to tell him that she's in love with him. He rolls over, and she sees a wound on his back. It's the same wound from the fire poker. So it's like, is she going to figure that out? Or, you know, what she's I don't know. Sarah and Ava walk with the the alien. And at first I was like, is this Gary? Is this really Gary? Nate um, calls him to look at Rory. And then Sarah stops and looks the other way down the hall. And then she hears music. She hears, like, space girl, goodbye forever. But whatever. So at first I'm like, what does all this mean? But then, and I was like, and who's being 3D printed? It should be super obvious. And I don't know if I missed it. But then the preview they show, Bishop's back. That the the... Dude, the annoying dude with the beard that cloned Sarah and all that stuff. So he must be the one that, that saved um, Kayla, and so she's printing out him a new body to bring him back or whatever. So, so I mean, it was uh, actually I I have to say I did enjoy this this episode. I mean it, it was a uh, it was funny and everything, and you know there there is a some good good moments and all that, and I is as cheesy as a game thing. Could be it. It it was it was fun, you know. So I I like that. With Star Girls season two episode two summer school chapter two, there's like some someone's like dancing to girls just want to have fun. She's drinking wine. At first I was like, is this a a girl a student at the school? Um, smashing plates on the floor. Um, all this stuff. Doorbell rings. She has a suitcase packed, but it's it's actually it's like oh this was Cindy's mom because so Cindy's at the door. She's like hi mom. Who changed the locks? So and then she holds a crystal up to her eye, and her mom's eye glows. Whatever, and you hear like evil laughter in the, in the in the background. Then it cuts to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the Ordway, like Jerry Ordway, the Ordway Home for Children. Six days ago, some girl named Jenny has to leave. the The lady running at Mrs. Ordway, she apologized. She's like, "That's how it goes." She's like, "We need space for kids, and you're not a kid anymore." So I don't know if she's 18 now. Um, Child welfare stopped by and they left her. They're like, they left this for you. And it's like this old tin of lozenges. It's like, gee, thanks. Um, Jenny asks if it's about her brother. And the lady's like, I have no idea. So she gives her advice. She's like, and don't try to be so perfect in the real world, you you know, for people to like you. She's like, and it's a little annoying. And so Jenny sits on the steps. She finally opens a tin. There's this toy car in there that says Todd on the bottom. And then also her dad's ring. So then her face kind of flickers green, and then a ring glows and floats out of the uh, out of the 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 tin, and um, then it it hovers and then it flies onto her finger and it pulls her forward. Then it cuts to the present day. Courtney and uh, Jenny are in the kitchen. So after their fight, whatever the staff is trying to go after the ring. Courtney tells it the flight's over and go to the crate. Jenny apologized to Pat and Barbara about the damage. You know, she's like, I had no intention of fighting anyone when I got there. And and Pat's like, you know, says something about the damage, you know, Courtney made or whatever. And she's like, it's not my fault. It's like, she broke in, was trying to steal a green lantern. And Jenny's like, I wasn't trying to steal anything. It belonged to my father. And Pat's like, surprise. And uh, Jenny's like, his name was Alan Scott. And, you know, so he, he, Pat's just like looking at her and Barbara's like, does that name mean something to you? And he's like, yeah, it's the green lantern. And she says that the ring led her there. So she introduced herself when he says he's Pat Dugan. She's like, you're stripesy. You're a legend. And he's like, I am. She's like, yeah, you're a mechanical genius. And then she turns to court and he's like, and you have Starman's staff. You must be. And she's like, not Starman's daughter. So she assumed Pat must've taught her how to use a staff you know, so then she's like, you know, can you teach me how to use a ring? And then, the, like, the dog, what's, what is a dog's name? Dog comes up to her and he likes her and everything. So you can see he's like, Courtney's a little bit jealous. Then Barbara brings Jenny up to, to Courtney's room and she had asked Courtney to let her have it. You know, she, she's going to sleep on the couch. Then, uh, she looks around the room. She admires like the pictures, you know, Courtney has on a bulletin board, you know, all these like family pictures. So you can see she's like, wow, you know, she's has all this this great life or whatever. She sits on the bed. She pulls out at the picture she has of her brother. Um, her and her brother when they were tiny, and her eyes glow, and then the lantern grows glows in the kitchen. Um, Courtney's like fussing, lying on the couch. She like has like nudges the dog off the sofa and everything. Pat comes down, and gives her a pillow, and she asks Pat like he's like how do you know that she's really Greenlander's daughter and he says that you know well, the JSA didn't talk about their kids a lot in, in order to protect them but he knows that they had them he's like the ring only worked for Alan and she's like well the staff only worked for Starman and now it works for me and she's like you know what if she's not who she says says she is what if she's a spy what if she's really working for an ISA and he's like you're look you're looking for villains everywhere he's like You know, the life you're pursuing is more about helping people and overfighting bad guys. He's like, and you're good at it. He's like, Yolanda, Rick, and Beth, he's like, you gave them a shot when no one else would. This girl could use a shot, too. And then, you know, he just goes upstairs. And then the dog jumps back on the sofa, like on top of her pillows. And she's just like, ah. In the morning, um, she gets up. There's like this cheerful breakfast, you know the pancakes are really good better than are they better than pat's so jenny says she loves making breakfast for everyone at the home she also fixed the table and um so pat's going to take her to the garage to see if they can get the lantern to work courtney has summer school so she's obviously you know bothered by this as she's sitting in class yolanda comes in and sits next to her And courtney's like what are you doing here she's like i thought you got straight a's and she's like i did but my parents enrolled me this morning to keep me out of trouble so then, uh, their teacher is Mr. Dysinger. So he's an art teacher. But he's like, This summer, you can call me Paul. He's like taking attendance. Um, we see the angry kid, a long haired kid that um, I think Cindy had a picture of him. His name's is Isaac Bowen. Is he someone that we should know? Hmm, I just looked him up. I should have done this before. Um, the Fiddler's Fiddle. So I guess that's who this is going to be. So, um, yeah, so what are taking attendance, and he's he's like <clears> here, <throat> you know, he's just like so angry. Yolanda asks about the green llama girl, and Courtney corrects her and mentions that you know she's questioning whether you know she's actually Greenlander's daughter, since there's a history of people in town not being who they say they are. And then um, like Paul, he's like Rick Harris, he's not present, so Rick's supposed to be in summer school, he's not there. So then um, Rick is is out in the, the woods and he's taking more food. He has like four pizzas this time or something like that. Picks up some garbage um, from the chicken. And then uh, someone called him. Uh, I, don't remember, I don't remember who if it was Bath or something. That there's a new superhero in town. He walks back to his car, hears like branches snapping, and he turns, but he doesn't see anything. So, like, uh, Grundy must be watching him from the trees. Zeke, uh, the mechanic dude, has attached like a flamethrower to Stripe's wrist. He heads home. Pat, um, you know, it's, he doesn't even care. He's just like, okay, I'm going home now. Pat asks uh, or Jenny where she got the ring, and she said it was left for her, and it started glowing. So he's surprised it worked after all this time, because from what he knows, Alan had to charge a ring once a day using a lantern. Uh, Pat explains that the ring reached, like, worked to, like, with through emotion or something like that. So he's, you know, maybe she's anxious and. You know that's making the lantern anxious. He says that the you know the ring can make anything you will it to. So she tries, but it just kind of sparks or whatever. And he's like, you know, don't rush it. He's like, just imagine something. She tries again, and uh, with the glow, there's glowing light. She makes a little little toy car. At lunch, Courtney says that Jenny's too polite. You know, she fixed the table. Now she's best friends with Pat. Yolanda tries a pancake. She's like, they're really good. And Courtney tries one, and she's like, ah, she's like they are. And she gets, you know, she. Gets She dumps him or whatever. You know, she clears off the, the table. Cindy's mom is cleaning up all the broken glass and hears a low voice. You'll never escape her. This old Jaguar drives a Blue Valley. This dude with a cane gets out in a top ha- hat. So I'm like, is this a shade? He goes uh, to see Barbara. He says his name is Richard Swift. So there you go. Uh, Card says that he deals with things old and curious. So uh, the late William Zarek had a bunch of stage props, and if the American Dream would sell his collection, they'd probably make a ridic- uh, he'd, he would probably pay a ridiculous amount. She's like, well, I'll look into where the collection is stored. And then she mentions like, there's no contact information on your card. He's like, well, I'll contact you. And then he's like, is there a place I can get some tea? And she's like, oh, there's a diner or whatever. At the garage, Jenny um is still making a car or whatever. Rick and Beth are there. Then Courtney and Yolanda walk in, and then she's, like, stops. And uh, she says hi to Yolanda. Rick and Beth uh, told her about her or whatever like that. She's hesitant, but then she, like, shakes her hand. So Yolanda, because, you know, she's just heard from Courtney. Courtney's, like, you told her about the team? Why? And Beth's, like, she's a legacy, a real legacy like Rick. And Courtney's, like, says that, you know, she wouldn't be so skeptical if she didn't break in last night. And she says that, you know, she didn't know who took her father's lantern and, and then Jenny's like, well, maybe I should just go. And she, like, walks out. And Beth and Rick go after her. And Rick's like, that was not cool. Cindy's mom, you know, the voice is like, you almost had your old life back. You want it back like it was before. And then she picks up, like, the butcher knife in the sink. And she sees a reflection. In it, and she's, like, smiling and carefree. It's like, before the abduction. Then she sees herself, um, like, taken or whatever. He's like, if you want it all back, you have to kill her. Kill your stepdaughter. Kill Cindy Berman. So then at the garage, Jenny's back inside talking to the other. Pat is uh with Courtney like uh in the, up part, the upstairs part. And he's like, oh, it's quite a show. She's like, yeah, I'm sorry. And he's like, I'm not the one you need to apologize to. And you know, he's like, I don't get it. He's like, your greatest superpower is seeing the good in others, but you can't see it with Jenny. And she's like, she's like, how can I not see the good? Everyone sees it. She's perfect. She and she's a superhero's daughter for real. She feels like she's like I feel like a fraud around her. And, you know, she's, like, everything that she should be. And Pat's, like, she's everything you were. She's just trying to learn about a father she never really knew. You know, that's why she's here. She's, like, remember how that felt? And Courtney's, like, pretty lonely. Then Pat's phone rings. It's Barb. And he's, like, he says he'll check it out, and he leaves. And he tells Courtney, he's, like, just go talk to Jenny. So uh, she goes down and apologizes for how she spoke to her. Jenny says that, you know, she has a lantern, and she should go. But Courtney says that, you know, none of this is your fault. It's mine. And she's, like, you know, I was... I was convinced I was Starman's daughter, and I was so messed up when I found out that you know she wasn't. So she, you know she th- she thought it was like everything, and she says that you know her powers are like you know nothing like they they've seen before. She says that you know she's all anything would you know want from a member to JSA. She's a real deal, and her eyes are glowing, and under the Green Lantern lights up. And Courtney says that you know she's like she has everything. And she's yell. She's like, stop saying I have everything. I have nothing. She's like, the ring is supposed to do anything you want it to. It's like, all I want to do is find my brother. And you know. so she thought that the ring would lead her to him. And she says that, you know, stupid, she says a stupid land or when She knocks off the work table and it starts lighting up. At the diner Pat sees a fancy car goes inside Shade is like complaining about tea or something like that whatever Pat bumps into his cane like on purpose and he's like oh and then he says that he owns a garage he introduces himself he's like he says he loves vintage cars he notices a 65 Jaguar and Swift's like oh it's a 67 whatever and then uh you know he Pat just like l- sits at the table you know without being invited but then he sees the kids running outside and um so he's like I'll be right back or whatever. he said he's got to go. Rick's carrying the, like the lantern under his coat cuz it's like glowing and so they think it's going to explode. So they're like in the middle of a park now. Pat tells Jenny to to calm down. And I think Courtney said that Jenny's the the battery that she's charging or something like that. So not, she's like she can absorb the energy before it explodes. So she picks it up and she tells them they all need to leave cuz it's not working. She's just like just go. And Courtney's like, "I'm not going anywhere." She's like, "You can do this." And Jenny tries again, but now it's starting to work, so it's re- it reverses, but then it sends them all flying back. And then there's this like big crater where Jenny was. And Beth's like, "She saved us." But then they see, you know, they thought she's dead, but then they see her like floating in this ball of green energy. And she's like, "Hey guys, I guess I can fly now." And they're all smiley, whatever. So back at the house, the dog snoring on a couch next to the Courtney. She gets up. Sees her mom. She's like, Oh, is Jenny awake? And Barbara's like, No. She's like, She was gone before I woke up. Pat looks at um a file in, in the basement. It has the shade's name under. So the picture's kind of blurry, but you can see like his watch, and there was like they said something about the watch at, at the restaurant, at the diner. Courtney comes down and she's like, I'm done. Or she or she's like, if you're worried, I'm gonna dig through it old files again. Don't. She's like, I'm done with that. Jenny made me realize what's important: friends, family, and stripesy. She's like yeah, I I should have treated you more like Jenny did when we moved here. Uh, you know, it's, it's Courtney Whitmer, first daughter, sister, friend. And if a villain comes up, then it'll be Star Girl. And then he's like, well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because well, there's a villain from the old days called the Shade. He's bad news. He's the last member of the Injustice Society unaccounted for. He's like, I think he's in Blue Valley. Then Courtney excitedly says, I'll get my staff. So Courtney comes home, calls out to her mom, says she's hungry again. Mom is waiting there, uh, and it, you know she attacks her with with knives. And Cindy takes her down. Then there's a uh, big glow comes out of Cindy. Her face is like half purple or three fourths purple, whatever. And then, and she smiles. So she has a crystal. and Her eyes are glowing. Sinful human, so easily corrupted. Or like so, then she kind of like sucks out her mom's or stepmom's like essence or whatever, and it like goes into the crystal. And then just, just like just burnt ashes are left. And then Cindy, like, licks her lip, Mmm, delicious. And then there's, like, the struggle. And then Cindy's back. She's like, let me go. And then you hear, your stepmother is desperate to escape. She was going to kill you. I had to take control of you to protect you. And Cindy's like, I can protect myself. And so it, it fed off her mom's corrupt soul. And she says that, you know, it's her body. She's in control. And then Crystal's like, yeah, you're in control. I'm only here to serve. And Cindy looks at the ashes. She's like, I didn't want her dead. So... Cindy thinks she's in control, but she's obviously probably not. So that was the end of the episode. Um, so Jenny disappeared. She left. Obviously, you know, I she's probably going to come back. So we'll have to see. And there's going to be uh, some, something happening to Mike next episode, seen in the preview. So it was a good episode. Then with uh, Superman Lois, season finale, season one, episode 15, Last Sons of Krypton. Lois and Superman are, you know, they're just standing there wondering what to do. The, what's his name? Uh, Irons AI can't locate Edge or Jordan. asked John if it should keep searching, and he finally is like, "Yes, don't stop." Lara tells him he's like, "You're gonna fail again." As you know, she's gets taken away. Uh, Lois is asking about, you know, some different places like Superman can't. He's like, he can't hear him anywhere. He's like, you know, where could he be hiding? And then he tells Irons to stay there in case, you know, something happens. He's like, you know, I was like, I'll find them. We see Kyle, Sarah, and Lana. They run to the wreckage where Sam was driving. Sarah asks John, why would Edge take Jordan? And, you know, so he doesn't know what to say. He doesn't say anything, obviously. Jordan Zeta Rowe gives Edge instructions, obtain the necessary objects. You know, he's like, I'll make sure, you know, you're not disturbed. And he's like... And you, son of Kalel, will help me do it or something like that. Lara's being taken and Lois tells the soldier, to stop. She wants to talk to her. And then they're like, we can't do that. And she's like, Do you want me to tell my dad? <laughs> so she asks Lara, she's like, where are they? And and she's like, I don't know. And then Lois like slams her against you know the wall, whatever. And she's like, Where's my son? And Lara's like, he's probably gone now. And Lois says, like, she's like, we'll find him. And Lars, like, you don't even know what's coming next. Not even Superman knows. And then she's like, the look on your face, that's the same I had when I realized that we couldn't save Krypton. So the uh, crowd is up in an uproar outside. You know, Sam says that, you know, he doesn't have time for this. Kyle says that, you know, they, they can go or they can help. And Lana's like, we're staying, you know, to help. Superman's flying all over the world. You know he's listening. Then he goes up high and he's like Jordan. And then he hears Dad. So Superman flies down. Smallville people are in an uproar. Lana tries getting them to listen. And it's like someone's like I thought you left already. And Kyle's like you know, just please listen to General Lane. And then he he tells them all to go home until it's safe. He said that um, or they say that that the news said Superman saved Metropolis. So why is a DOD still in Smallville? And Chrissy's like because edge was never caught and sam doesn't say anything but he was caught he just he, he escaped so uh, I, whatever it's, it's just annoying then edge swoops in and he's like floating and they're like looking at him so Jordan is like on top of, like some volcano or something like that superman comes they hug and jordan's like what happened he's like you know i was in an accident and edge grabbed me and then then he shoves superman with his eyes are glowing he's like i was eradicated so superman realized that it's zeta who did this to his son and he says that, you know, he's gonna. Zeta says he's gonna mold them both into greatness, whatever. And he's just like, like hitting like Superman, um, and just. But this is Jordan that's doing this. So Edge's eyes start glowing. People st- finally start moving, like they start scrambling. Zeta keeps punching. Um, Jordan comes out for a second, but then Zeta's back and he's just like I sacrificed my only son to save your people and you can't even you know strike your own kid, you know whatever your own son. Then they, they like they skim across like the lava and you know they're flying and stuff like that. Irons comes and shoots like a rocket at edge, but nothing happens. he deflects it. And then he flies at him, he gets knocked down, sh- soldiers are shooting, the Eradicator zaps them, and then he's like, come to your new home. So now these soldiers have become Kryptonians or whatever. Zeta tells uh, Clark there's nothing he can do now. The Eradicator does something with like Kryptonite or something like that. The soldiers zap, they go, they, they go flying up. Superman arrives, and Sam says they need to evacuate Smallville. Sarah's like, is there any word on Jordan? And um, Sam just kind of dismisses it, you know. He's like, "Nothing yet," but then he realizes that you know she cares, or whatever. Then he's like, "We have the world's finest looking for him." So that was nice that he wasn't like a cold jerk to her, because you know she's just a kid and she cares. Superman wonders, just you know, how he can stop him. Lois is like, um, you know, says that well, we can help. You know, they they helped him push through the darkness, and you know, so she wants to go into Jorda, Jordan Jordan um, Zeta Rose mind with that like headband thing, whatever. So Superman flies, he's looking for Jordan Zeta. Chrissy um, writes this like immediate evacuation article for the paper. Lana and her family they pack up, they leave their house. Irons is working in the barn on weapons. Jonathan comes in with like all the weapons he could find. Somehow he got like some machine guns. (laughs) Uh, Sam brings some equipment. Uh, John puts up this new power source in the hammer. It's like it's red, so it's like the solar sun thing, whatever. Lois has the headset thing. Uh, Superman arrives, and you know he's just like he's like shakes his head. He's you he can't believe you know this is while well, this is going on. Irons tells them that uh, the Red Solar Tech plus the hammer's kinetic force should be enough to get through Edge's force field and dissipate his powers. The bad news is it has to be like this really long throw, and so Edge has to be like held down, locked. You know they have to get him. Superman's like okay, I'll take care of that. So they give Jonathan this fancy rifle that began belonged to Thaddeus Kilgrave to use only if he has to. He's gonna be protecting his mother while she tries to get through to Jordan. So Zeta talks to the new Kryptonians about this being their home. They fly off with the eradicator. He flies into a mountain or whatever. Um, I guess that's like the mines, probably. Like because there's a bunch. It looks like there's a bunch of the, the Kryptonite X or whatever, the glowing stuff, yellow glowing stuff. Eradicator starts uh, glowing again and a uh, big energy circle starts expanding. The others land outside the mountain and Superman realizes they're in the mines. So there's traffic jams. Everyone's trying to leave town. Iron says, it's like, so terrible odds. And Superman's like, yeah. Um, but, you know, better together. So they fly to the mines. The six soldiers rush at them. There's a fight. Superman starts plowing through with them one at a time. Because, um, you know, he's got the experience fighting. They may have the same power level but yeah, obviously he has advantage so uh he almost reaches zeta but then when grabs him from behind iron zaps him with the red solar tech he, uh, he grabs him takes him to the barn uh so they have jordan out he tells lois that he won't be out for long and then uh then irons goes to, to superman to, to help or whatever so lois puts a head tech on him jonathan's like mom i got you and she's like yeah, i know whatever so um then she's walking through Zeta's memories. She sees he's talking to Edge, like, it's time, whatever, you know, when he's a kid. So she has to go deeper. The soldiers, uh, super soldiers, Kryptonians, whatever, they're chasing Superman. Edge is still glowing and whatever. And this power thing is expanding further. There's still traffic. Um, the energy is reaching and zapping the town. Kyle goes into his burning building because there's this lady. It's like, you're supposed to be evacuating, lady, and she's sitting inside. And, and you know whatever more memories we see young edge uh, then zeta turns and says you'll never get to him he's buried deep and he's like you don't even know where to look but you know it's like i know where to find you so then jonathan uh he's like talking he tells jordan he's like you need to wake up he's like and then you know eventually jordan's eyes open he stands up and then his eyes glow red people are gathering at the diner lana you know they're, they're hiding there lana's like we have to get low whatever there's an explosion outside and lana's like or uh sarah's like dad because you know he was in the building the building whatever but then you see him walking out in slow motion carrying the lady it's just like it's kind of cheesy jonathan has no shot, no choice he shoots jordan he goes flying back but then he gets up jordan um tries to shoot him again but zeta roe jordan rushes to him grabs the, the rifle away Then grabs Jonathan, floats him up in the barn. He's like kind, kind of got him by the throat. So he's just like, like, kind of, you know, trying not to get choked. Um, Then there's these memories flash. Lois yells, "Jordan, it's mom. Can you hear me?" Because you know she's still in the mind, I guess, or something like that. And then she finds him in his room. It's like all messed up. Clark and Jonathan are there. Jordan's like, I'm sorry I wasn't strong enough. He And he said that he was weak and pathetic. She's like, you're strong. She's like, what Zeta said isn't true. She's like, you're stronger than all of us. She's like, all your life, you know, you've been strong. And you've been a fighter. She's like, I need you to fight harder than ever. Uh, and She's like, find a strength and fight, fight. And there's more memory flashes and Jordan's eyes go back. And then he hugs Jonathan. Lois wakes up and wonders where they are. And then they like slowly float down to the ground so i don't know if jordan's gonna be able to fly now superman's still being chased they start reaching him and grabbing him and then iron throws his hammer oxygen levels are like low his powers load ai is like you don't have much time uh superman flies uh super fast and he's like now so john throws his hammer again now for like the solar flare thing whatever and uh superman grabs edge the hammer busts through destroys a mountain um Iron Suit has complete system failure, and he's like, we did it, Nat. We did it. And then there's, like, memories, whatever. The AI is trying to reroute power, but it's not successful. So he's, like, falling back to Earth. So he's he's done. He's toast. There's no way he's going to survive. But then Superman rushes and catches him. It's like, nice timing. So Lara's in her cell, and she looks up. It's like, does she know it's over somehow? That doesn't make any sense. Edge says, he's like, all I wanted was a family cacao. And then Superman's like, you had it. We were brothers. So maybe Morgan Edge is back. I don't know. That doesn't make sense either. People in town are cleaning up. Everyone's working together, putting new glasses on, on businesses, sweeping broken glass. Superman, um, he's talks about sometimes a crisis can reveal a person's true nature, sometimes for the better. He says, you know, there will be questions about Edge. Um, you know, how could a businessman do all that? You know, he wants the world to know the truth. So then, you know, he's on camera Uh, He says Edge is not from this planet. He's actually from Krypton. So Chrissy's doing the interview, even though she runs a newspaper, It makes no sense. And um, then she's like, Morgan, Edge is Kryptonian? And Superman's like, yes. He's like, I only discovered this recently when he tried changing people in Smallville with the mineral in the mines. Chrissy asks if it's still possible for the Kryptonian mines to be implanted in people. And he's like, no, not anymore. And she asks if, He's at all worried this will make people scared of Kryptonians. And he smiles. He's like, you mean me? He's like, that's not something I will ever be able to control. But I know who I really am, just like I know who the people of Smallville really are. And she's like, what do you mean by that? He's like, I saw people find strength they didn't know they had. They faced their fears and they became heroes. He's like, I'm not the one who saved Smallville. The people did. By going through this experience, Smallville will be stronger than ever before. So there's a big barbecue at Lana and Kyle's, I'm assuming. Lois comes up um, and she wants a recipe for his victory ribs or whatever. And he's like, normally, he's like, that wouldn't be an option. But for you, he's like, I, we can make that happen. So then Lois goes to talk to Chrissy. Um, Clark gave her something you know, before or whatever. He's like, oh, there's you know Chrissy Beppo over there. So um, he sees uh, the knowing the mom at school who who was changed waved to Lana and he he says Lana he's like, Oh I see YouTube made up and he's he's like, I'm glad you decided to stay and she's like, Yeah, Kyle got his job back and she's like the choice was easy. And she's like, you know, Smallville's home and and she's like, oh and, and I also I met my best friend here. So the kids are playing the the fighting video game and, you know, Superman's in the game and Jonathan sees Tegan and they smile at each other. So I don't know if they're gonna hook up. Lois uh, goes to Chrissy and gives her a check. She's like, "It's a plea not to sell the Gazette." Chrissy's like, "The lawyers are drawing up the papers tomorrow," and Lois is like, "That's why I'm offering to buy half of it today." She's like, "You know, we sold our brownstone in Metropolis, so with the money from that, we have just enough to match half the offer." She's like, "I want to build something there." She's like, "You know, let's put the story first, no matter the consequences." And then she's like, "Yes," and she's like, "This is the happiest day of my life," and they hug. So Irons sells uh, Sam, he got a hard sell from the DOD. He finally decided to come on board. And he wonders, he's like, why didn't I hear it from you? And Sam's like, well, I'm stepping down from active duty. And Irons asks if it has to do with the injury from the, the car crash. And he's like, no, nah, it's like just my priorities. He's like, I've been taking care of the world for so long. Maybe it's time to start taking care of my family. Then Irons is like, you know, you're going to be hard to replace. Then Lois comes up to him. They they talk about his dad, or you know, because she he went off to get some food or something like that. Um, and he said that he's thinking about reaching out to his sister, you know, actually making contact this time. And you know, she's like, well, you know, we, we have a lot of work that needs to be done on the farm. And he just laughs. He's like, I don't think that's a good idea. And she's like, you know, he really trusts you. You know, talking about Clark. And he's like, oh, it's not about him. He's like, every time I look at you, he's like, I see my wife. He's like, the only woman I've ever loved. He's like, I know you're not her but it doesn't change how i feel and she's like i just want you to be happy he's like i know he's like that's why i can't stay and she thanks him for everything and you know, he says take care of your boys all three of them so then jordan and sarah are walking out in the field and she says that you know she's like i heard what you said when edge took you and he's like i meant it he's like it wasn't just something people say he's like you know since that first summer we met and she's like, I love you too. They kiss, they hug. And it's like this golden hour lighting and whatever. It's kind of cheesy, but whatever. At the farm, Lois and Clark walk outside. They see the boys in suits. They go by the tree, by the swing. Lois says it gets the best light of day, whatever. So this is like the next, this must be later, whatever. They put um, pieces of that the red Jorel crystal that was shattered in a hole and they bury it. And so Clark talks about growing up, that he always felt different, alone. He had so many questions about why he was here. He's like that changed when he met him. He taught him so many things about his home world, his family, himself. He's like the greatest thing he ever did for him was just to be his dad. So then um, the AI asks uh, John if everything's okay. He seems pensive. Lois and Clark come in and they're in the barn. They're asked if he's all packed up. He's like yeah. He's like unless you want an intrusive AI and they're like oh no we're good but then the ai cuts in he's like not now and but the ai's AI like there's a vessel linked to his linked to your war suit cpu and is approaching at an unusually high velocity so clark zips outside craft comes down and it lands hard um, there's like some numbers on the side whatever it's like m e t i t 101378 on whatever hatch opens up footsteps come out and an iron's like it can't be and we see it's nat and she smiles and runs to him, big hug, and he's like crying. And then, which then she looks and she sees Lois, and she's like, "Mom." And that's where it ends. So she has no, she doesn't realize she's on another Earth, and she thinks that's her mom. And so, what is this going to mean? It's going to be kind of weird. So it was a really good good season. Um, it's 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 unfortunate that it, it's over now because we're gonna have to wait until you know who knows how long, but. Man, they did such a good job. I mean, it was just, it's just—it's just so amazing at how how great the show was. So, I I just loved it. Okay, then, what if season one episode two? What if T'Challa became a Star Lord? Um, this was uh, so I'm a little torn with this. It was it was great. It was sad to hear Chadwick Boseman. You know, so it, it, and. And that's the other thing. It's like Michael Rooker, Josh Brolin, Benicio Toro, Kurt Russell, you know, Karen Gillan. We had like all these, uh, uh, you know, there were a- actors doing their-, their roles, except for our tracks. So I don't know what's going on with that. But anyways, um, it was an okay episode otherwise. I mean, if it wasn't f- the fact that, you know, we- we're feeling that sadness over, you know, losing Chadwick Bozeman, but... It was, it was a fine episode. It was good. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Well, anyways, so this is what happened. Uh, we get the same exact watcher intro, so I guess we're going to have that every episode, which makes sense, So that's fine. So it starts off on Morag. Star-Lord walks into the building where the Infinity Stone is, um, and then uh, we hear... Korath, he's like, "Who are you?" And Star Lord reveals his face, and it's T'Challa. So Korath knows who he is. He's like, "I'm a big fan of your work." And it's funny because the character is like so different. This is a guy who's like, when he's like, "I'm Star Lord," he's like, "Who?" So that that dude, Um, he tells the other guy, he's like, "This is a legendary thief. He steals from the rich and gives to the worthy." And he's like, "I don't know if I should bow or kneel to you." And you know, he's Korath feels bad that he has to take the stone back because you know his boss ronin is, is a super 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 intense whatever uh and then he talks about a career change but you know Chow's like ah he's like i oh, we're all filled up or whatever so he's like well we'll have to uh, fight whatever and of course like it would be my honor and, and then he uh they're fighting and stuff like that, but then uh, Star Lord or T'Challa tricks Korath into punching like the Stasis Field thing, whatever, and he gets knocked out. And T'Challa's like, "I almost feel bad." And the other two start shooting. He uses a Force Field thing that like go like the shoot reverse, whatever, knocks them back. And then uh, he he looks at Korath. He's like, "Well, I have hired worse." And he carries him out of the building. Outside, there's a swarm of soldiers with guns and they say he's outnumbered and T'Challa's like yeah but a uh, Ravager never fights solo and nothing happens so then he says it again and they're confused and then Yandu's arrow comes you hear whistling and it takes them all out and then they walk to the ship so we get a flashback to Earth Wakanda 1988 young T'Challa says he's tired of living in a bubble his dad King T'Chaka um, talks to him about the bad things out in the world you know people with war and everything like that so then later you see T'Challa running, he's like throwing a spear and, and then it goes through like the bubble, like the force field. He goes out to get it. At that moment, a ravager ship uh, arriving to abduct the spawn of the celestial ego arise. And so on this world, Yandu uh, outsourced the task to his subordinates. So when he sees T'Challa, he he calls him morons. He's like, you grabbed the wrong kid. He's like, and one of the, the Ravagers is like, all humans look alike, but obviously T'Challa and, you know, young T'Ch- T'Challa and young uh, Peter Quill look nothing alike, but whatever. But T'Challa is like excited because he wants to explore. So he has no problem being abducted. 20 years later, Ravagers with Core Authorities Clubs, they're celebrating. Thanos is even there. Um, he says he's willing to admit he was wrong. T'Challa convinced him that there are other ways to allocate the universe's resources. Um Thanos still thinks his plan had some merit and they're like, Oh, because I guess they've like heard this a lot. Um, T'Challa tries to pay for drinks and Drax is a bartender and he's like, Your money's no good here. And T'Challa's like, please and Drax is like, No, seriously, we only take cash. So then then he recognizes him as the Star Lord. He's like, You saved my my homeworld from the Kree invasion. And he wants to take like a, a picture to send, you know, a selfie to send to his wife and daughter. And uh, you know, Drax wants to take another because you know he's like oh you look horrible in this one or something like that he's like i look look uh, awesome or, or i look great and then uh, nebula comes in she has like long blonde hair and like this fancy dress and she says that he he looks great where she's standing and she calls him cha-cha <laughs> which is kind of weird so they obviously have a history they talk about her father and she won't um, forgive thanos for the past even though he's gardening now she mentions t'challa's necklace and asks if he's thought about going back and he's like well there's nothing much to go back to because you know when he was young Yandu tried to take him back but wakanda was destroyed which is like what so he says that you know it was just another senseless war you know his baba was right so now he saves other worlds and she says that she has a job for him so she shows him a thing it's called embers of genesis it's nutrient-rich cosmic dust from an ancient supernova with the power to terraform entire ecosystems, so with just one ounce, you can um, you can like guess save like a dying planet in minutes or something like that. So there's this huge payload. You know, she's looking at. T'Challa says they could feed billions of people on millions of worlds and eradicate hunger across the galaxy. Korath jokes about not. To, he's like, well, don't tell Captain Genocide because this is you know Thanos. And then he he finds out that Nebula is Thanos' daughter. And then they're both like adopted, you know, because Thanos and was there too. Yandu um, asks who who's the mark to Tiban, t- Tivan, also known as the Collector. And Yandu's like it's suicide trying to go after him. So T'Challa talks to Yandu, to try to convince him they should go. They go over to schematics over his museum base of operations. It's in a mining colony in the subhead of an ancient celestial being, as we've seen. Thanos says that. Um, The Collector has a Black Order doing security. So that's interesting that now they're working with him. Nebula and Yandu meet with the Collector. Uh, T'Challa snuck out. um, He's like searching the place. It's huge. He walks past Cosmo and Howard the Duck talks to him. So then T'Challa's like, he's like, asked him if he can help him find the Embers. And Howard gives him like these complicated directions. So T'Challa just blasts the lock and asks him to give him a tour. The Ravagers are causing a diversion outside. Proxima sees it's the Ravagers and figures that they're really a diversion. Howard stops some to get a drink. There's like this bar in the middle of the warehouse thing or whatever. T'Challa says that they have to run. The alarms, you know, lockdowns happening, whatever. He then he comes across this Wakandan ship. Uh, his necklace starts glowing, so he goes inside, and there are mannequins in there with, like, the Dora Milaje outfits, and there's a computer hologram of his dad, it, it turns on, and he, he says that his son, T'Challa, the pr- crown prince of Wakanda, was abducted by an alien spacecraft, and then um, then he also addresses uh, T'Challa, if you were out there, and, you know, he says all the stuff, he's like, we won't stop looking for you. So Nebula comes in and pulls a gun at T'Challa, the collector's holding Yandu She's like, oh, I hope you understand. She's like, I had a debt with the collector, and you were the payment. So they're thrown into a cell with the other Ravagers. Yandu asks if he's okay, and T'Challa slams him you know, against the forest field door. He's like, you lied to me. And Yandu says, I was protecting you, so he must have lied about saying that Wakanda was destroyed. Um, he's like, how is lying protecting me? And Yandu's like, he's like, we're alike. We're explorers. We're family. And then T'Challa's like, we're not. And she's like, I'm nothing like you. And then um, he's knocked out by. Uh, Ma, and he's like taking the collector so now t'challa is in the case nebula comes korath is outraged and he's like how could you do this my best friend t'challa <laughs> so she pulls a gun but then she shoots the guard like that's like behind him or something like that she says that she's there to rescue them she says that she told t'challa the truth from the beginning and we see like a little flashback and also says that you know she didn't know about the wakandan ship t'challa you know takes a necklace and he uses like the points of it to like break through the case that he's in Ma captures him with his powers but then he gets shot behind from karina the collector servant girl alarm goes off t'challa is escaping the collector punches him as he runs by they start fighting he has this like big fist that he hacked off a cronin um there's like other stuff like he has like a dagger from the Lord of the Dark Elves, and you, you see like this case with all the stuff. He has like Captain America's shield. He has Mjolnir, all this or whatever in this case. Then he puts on like Hela's helmet, um, and he, you know so he can get access to all the, the knives to start throwing at him. The Ravagers are running. They're being chased by the Black Order. Thanos tells him to get to the ship. He'll take care of them. Nebulas is like that's crazy. and He's like no, not crazy, mad. Yandu's arrow knocks um, the helmet off the collector. But he gets stabbed, um, but he catches the arrow, or, or, or the Collector catches the arrow, and he, like, he cracks it or something like that. Thanos is doing well, but then he starts getting overpowered. He's about to get impaled, but then Nebula comes shooting, and she puts some of the embers in the big dude, and the terraforming starts happening like from inside of him. T'Challa and Yondu are still fighting. They manage to put the Collector in a case. Karina comes and takes the Collector's control bracelet, and she opens several other uh, cases that have aliens in there, and he starts like begging them to stop, or he's like, "I took care of you, and I put roof over your heads, so they're all gonna like tear him apart." T'Challa and Yandu escape in a different ship. They contact Nebula, so they're gonna meet at a rendezvous point. Um, Cosmo's on the ship, and Yandu's like, "Oh, he must be a stowaway," and he, he looks T'Challa, which that seems out of character that Cosmo would be looking anyone like that. Yandu starts to apologize, but T'Challa says, "There's no need." You know, he was the one who wanted to see the universe and, you know, he's seen, he's seen a lot of it, but, you know, he's not sure where he belongs. And Yandu says, well, there's no place in the galaxy that you don't belong. So all of the Ravagers return to Wakanda. They walk into the throne room. Um, Baba is still there. T'Challa introduces them to the Ravagers. There's a celebration, <laughs> like Thanos is talking to Dora malaja He's like, and she's like, it sounds like genocide. And he's like, no, it's not because it would have been random. He's still talking about his plan. Then it cuts to um, the, the final scenes, a Dairy Queen. And there's like 80s music. Um, you see some workers like mopping the floor. He's wearing a Walkman. And then someone is behind him, even though they're closed. It's Ego. And he's he's like, what, Peter? Can't spare a little time for dear old dad? And his eyes glow. So it was Kurt Russell out of Ego. The Watcher says, too bad. This might spell the end of the world. That's a story for another day. So maybe we'll get a sequel to this. And then at the end, it's like dedicated to our friend, our inspiration and our hero, Chadwick Boseman. So, I mean, I guess it was a good episode. I don't know what it is or something. It just I don't know. I mean, I, I guess there some cool things um, seeing how different they were. And it was funny. You know, it had that Marvel humor. But I, I really don't know what my problem with it is. So that's that's kind of annoying. But it was good. And, and as always, just like last week, I don't know what's next, even though I'm, I'm pretty sure it's, I actually, I did know what I remember seeing, I think I it was on IMDB, but I, I totally forget, but that's fine. So check it out on Disney plus. All right. With Titans. So last time, you know, they, they dropped the first three episodes. I didn't talk about episode three. So I'm gonna talk about episode three and four episode season three, episode three, Hank and Dove. This what this was a crazy episode. I was like, holy sh- shoot. Um, so Dick digs up Jason's grave. He replays the fight against Red Hood. He finally gets to the coffin and it's empty. He talks to Hank, Don, and Corey. Bruce said that there was a body. Corey wonders if, and then Dick cuts her off. He's like, "No, it was him." And Bruce like didn't know Jason was alive. Otherwise, he wouldn't have killed the Joker. Um, Rachel ghouls and Kadeem. Corey says that you know if someone's bringing people back to life, maybe they could bring Donna back. And there's just kind of like silence. And then Don's like, you know, maybe he faked his death enough to fool Bruce. Um, Hank's getting frustrated. They're just sitting around talking about it. He's like, you know, if it comes down to it, you know, to just me and Jason, the kid's going down. Don kind of says, she's like, so we're killing Jason now? And Hank's like, he wrote his own ticket by taking people out. Game's over. So he and he like leaves the room. Don goes to talk to him in the kitchen. She's like, "You need to give people a chance to get their heads around this." She's like, "This is Jason we're talking about." And Hank says that they need to forget it's Jason. You know, they you know put blinders on or they'll get soft. And Hank goes off on some more or whatever. And Don just looks at him. She's like, "Just dial it down a notch, will you?" So I love loved their interaction with him. I I really think it's great. Hank gets a call and it's Jason, so he's alone in the kitchen, he's, Jason, he's, like, like, on the floor, he's, like, in tears, he's, like, I know I effed up, he's, like, you need to help me out, because he's, he's, like, not even in costume or anything, and he's just, like, strung out, and whatever, and then he's, like, oh, I shouldn't have called, he's, like, um, is anyone with you, and he's, like, no, he's, like, you know, all the stuff I've done, he's, like, you have to believe me, you know, it's, it's not my fault, he's, like, I don't know what's happening to me, and Hank tries to convince him, he's, like, that he's like well where are you and but jason's worried that he'll tell dick he's like dick will kill me or whatever he's like i won't tell anyone beast boy's at the back computer he wants to send bruce a message and the computer's like no contacts found so he records a message anyways. he's like you need to come back he's like you know jason's alive or they're saying jason's alive you know we need you connor comes in and he asks he's like Do you think he's gonna hear that and um uh. But he's like, you know, there's no way he's not checking in, you know, some back door or whatever. Because, uh, you know, he's like, you know, if Jason's killing people, the Titans have to stop him. So then we see Hanks in a the cab. Um, they don't know where they're going. The driver doesn't know. Hank's waiting for Jason to call. He finally calls. He asks if uh, Jason asks if he's alone. And he tells him to go to go to the old Gotham Observatory. So Jason um, is obviously playing. him. you can see that there's something going on. So Hank gets there. And then Jason tells him he's being tracked with his phone, so he has to trash it. So he's like, you know, Dixon effing psycho. He's like, he could be following you right now. So Hank's like, fine. It's people are always so willing to destroy their phones, which is just nuts. So he he smashes on the ground. Then he he hears a ringing from a paper bag sitting on a bench. So there's a phone inside. Jason tells him to go to the Gotham City gym. Um, he, he Hank gets back in the cabin. The, the driver's like, the Board of Health shut it down last month. So he gets there. He calls out to Jason on the phone. Jason tells him to take off his shirt and pants to prove he's not wired. Hank's like, really? And then uh, he does that. And he's like, okay. Then Hank's like, what's next? A full Monty? And Jason's like, you guessed it. So now he wants him to swim to the other end of this nasty pool. And at the other Hank, you know, so Hank does it, gets in the water. It's just gross. It's not that gross, but but then Hank's like, at the end, he's like, no more games. And then uh, he, as he starts to climb out, Red Hood somehow grabs him from behind. He's like, good to see you, Hank. And he knocks him out. He hits him with something. Connor's at the computer with Dick and Don. They see footage of Hank leaving the kitchen and then getting into a cab. Now his phone's off the grid. Then, um, then Hank walks in. He gets on his knees and something's like stuck in his chest. And he's like, it's a gift from their pal, Jason. So then he like kind of passes out. Dick tells Connor to get a look inside so they know what they're dealing with. And he's impressed. He's like, it has anti-retraction barbs that hold the device in place. And it's like really embedded and deep. It's like designed to, to go in, not come out type of thing. So too much force or trying to remove it will activate it. And the counter seems to be counting down heartbeats. So when it reaches zero, that's the end. Um, Dick's phone rings. Dick's like, you know, killing Hank isn't the way to go. And uh, then Jason's like, still tell me what to do. And Dick asks, he's like, how do we end this? And Jason's like, 50 million in gold bars is being delivered to at one o'clock at the Gotham Central. He's like, if you want Hank to stay in one piece, so they have, to, he has to bring him like a gold bar or something or whatever. And Dick's like, this isn't about money for you. So Hank's like, there's no way we're negotiating with terrorists. And Don's like, you know, we can't call Jason's bluff because he's crazy. And so he had, they drew the calculation. He has about four hours until the counter reaches zero. Dick says that, you know, they need to get him on a beta blocker drip to slow his heartbeat some down, uh, to slow down his heartbeat to buy them more time. So then we see Hank's lying in a a bed. Um, He's just like flipping through channels. Crypto's lying next to him like a good dog. Don comes in with like this heart monitor thing, whatever. Dick goes to Arkham to talk to Crane, gives him more pot says that you know he's uh, this guy's working with someone else who's pulling the strings, so he wants a profile, you know, and there's like maybe he's trying to replace the daddy, he's rebelling against or whatever. And Crane says that you know he's going to use the tools of the father, the abuse becomes the abuser, and when he hears that Dick's, he walks off, he's like something clicks. At the cave, Connor says that he searched all the databases and there aren't any specs matching the bomb, but Dick comes in, he's like that's because you're not searching under Wayne Enterprises. Dick gives a retinal scan to this different computer and you get other, you know, access stuff. Connor finds something, just surgical EKG detonation implant. It's Wayne Tech. It's patented and everything. The specs are there. Connor's, like, reading them at super speed. Dick tells him to build a detonator based on those specs, you know, because he reads them faster than any human. He's like, you can do this. Connor's like, what? You know, he can't build. He's never built someone. Corey talks to Barbara at the station. She, um... And she has, like, a little bit of an attitude, Barbara. Corey's like, she's like, I need to see the more security footage to see if he was left unattended. Barbara's like, well, after what you pulled last night, I'm not really in a giving mood. And Corey's like, Hank is attached to a bomb. She's like, I'm not asking. So Hank's still joking about, you know, going to heaven or hell, whatever. And uh, because, you know, with the way, was it crypto? What do he oh because he tells he's like crypto go get me a hot dog or something like that and crypto gets up and leaves he's like he's giving Pennyworth a run for his money and he says you know maybe he'll see him in or whatever and she tells him to stop she's like you know you're not leaving me in this crappy world alone and she kisses him and he's like is that a pity kiss because i'm dying they kind of like make out it's like almost like go at it like a little bit whatever but then, uh, so looking at the morgue footage, there is someone like in a baseball cap, and there's like enough time to take Jason out. I still understand how it happened, um, but where was it? Because Bruce buried a body. I don't, I, I don't know. So somehow he was tricked. Don mentions uh, to Dick that the gold delivery is coming up, and he's like, we're not taking it. He's like, that's what Jason wants, to make us look like criminals and turn Gotham against us. She's not really helping, happy that they're willing to let a friend die. And then Corey calls, sending a picture of the henchman. His name is Cyrus Peak. So Dick's going to go over to the address that they got. And Don's just sitting there. She's like thinking about what to do, because obviously she's like, well, maybe she's going to steal the gold. At the bank, uh, it's two minutes till the gold delivery. Guards get out of the truck. They wonder why there's no one there to meet him. Dove drops down starts fighting them. And then she calls Jason. And he says that, you know, oh, Hank would be proud. Hank thinks about him and Don. Beast Boy comes in the, to talk to him. They talk a bit. And Hank's like, then he finally says, he's like, I'm not ready to go. He's like, I have too much to do. And he's like, so do you. He's like, so get out of here. Dick arrives at the address. He pulls up in the car and a body drops like on, on his windshield, on his, uh, like on the hood. Then he sees uh, it's a guy still tied up, checks his ID. It's Cyrus, dude. His phone rings. Um, Jason texts him an address. And then he finally, uh, as he's driving, because Dick, Dick was like putting off talking to Hank because he's like, no, this isn't, this isn't, you know, uh, it's not going to be goodbye. So you didn't really want to talk to him. But he, he finally calls him and they're like joking around and stuff like that. Then Hank says that he's like, I, you know, I know you're doing your best or whatever and everything. And then Dick's about to say something, um, but Hank hangs up on him before he can get, you know, too touchy feely about anything. Don arrives at the location. It's like this, some like it's almost like a barn or something like it with the gold bar. She yells out to Jason. He's like, it's not Jason anymore. So he's like the deactivator. He's like, it's in there. It's like this old like toolbox or whatever. She opens it, but it's just a gun. She's like, what? What the heck is this? And Red Hood says that it'll the the bomb will be deactivated as soon as he releases his thumb off he's got this like device in his hand so he's like so to save hank all you have to do is kill me and she's like what happened to you and jason's like the same thing that happens to everyone he's like i grew up and she's like she says that he did this not hers like that and you know so she's about to pull the trigger but then the gun gets like knocked out of her hand and the Nightwing's there and jason's like who invited this that guy so she goes for the gun, you know, she there, there's a little bit of fight between her and, and Nightwing. Time's almost up. Connor's like, so Connor's been working on, on making the detonator and he's going through all, all these possible permutations and, you know, the computer is saying how close or whatever. So he's like been doing it. He's getting closer and closer, but it's just like so many. And Corey comes in the room, you know, Hank tells her to get out and to take uh, Crypto and he's like, tell Don I love her. Dick um, tells Don, like, if you do this, Jason wins. He's like, and it won't save Hank. So Connor finally gets uh, the the sequence right on the the device. So he zips up. Um, Guard tells Dick, he's like, Connor has it. Dick tells Don, but she pulls a trigger. But it's just click. And then the timer goes off and Jason's like, whoops, my bad. He's like, looks like I gave you the detonator. And Dick whispers like, no. So there's like, I, there's like maybe like five heartbeats left, but then it just goes to zero and then boom, Connor runs up and just as explosion goes up. So he's like actually runs into the explosion and stops. And he's just like stares watching like the, you know, cause it's kind of like slow motion as explosion is going. And then Don stares at, at the gun and Jason's gone. And she's like, what happened? What happened? And starts crying. So basically Jason put the detonator for the, the bomb in the gun trigger so if she pulled it, she's the one that killed Hank. So then, and Connor's just standing in the doorway, and then uh Crypto walks up, like all covered in soot, and then licks Connor's hand. And then Cor- Corey hugs Gar in the cave; he's crying. Don collapses into Dick's arms. So it's just like, oh, they killed Hank. It was just so so sad and so crazy. And then, uh, season three, episode four, Blackfire. So this was a, the last week's new episode at arkham cranes uh he gets some med janitor tries to shank him this is from red hood um he avoids stabbing him they struggle and stuff like that crane gets punched a few times but guards come and they pull the guy away and he's like it's not over red hood wants you connor is bummed he tells guard he failed he's like superman wouldn't have failed but guard's like don't think like that and he's like you know we did the best that we could and connor's like he's like i'm just an effed up half-breed and he's like, the Lex part of me, it's it's like everyone is waiting for him to take over. And Gars like don't do this to yourself. And he Connor just like lashes out. He's like, Oh, great advice, you know, from the talking green tiger. And Gar's like, you know, you're right, you're not Superman. And he gives him a double bird and he just goes to the other end uh, side of the kitchen. Don walks in, she's like, Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. And Connor's, he's like, he looks at her, he doesn't know what to say. And she looks at him, she's like, Hey, it's not your fault. She's like, I pulled the trigger. And he's like, That's not on you. And Connor's like, But it was our job to save him. And she says, it was our job to try. And we did. And she hugs him. She's like, I want him back too. And then Dick comes in. And he's just like silent. So then at a private hangar, Don and uh, Dick are there. She says she's going to go to Paris for now. Um, they're talking about like all this, what they've been through. Like even like with Deathstroke, she's like, you know, Dick says he messed us up, but you know, none of us turn out to be killers. And then she's like, well, speak for yourself because she killed Hank. Then um, she says that you know she thinks about the time that she told him not to be Batman. You know, she knew what Gotham could do to a person. You know, Bruce was onto something when he walked away from this. And she's like, you know, there's something more on the other side. She's like, you could come with me. He's like, you know I hate fly- flying. And sort of like, oh, love you, you know, I love you, I hug. She gets on the plane. Dick's phone rings, Barbara calls and asks how he's holding up. You know, asks, How is she? And he's like, She's getting on a plane. Um, She tells him, you know, Red Hood put a hit out on Crane, so they're gonna move him to a safer location in Blackgate. But and she says she's really sorry about Hank. You know, maybe Dick should take a few days to process it all. Gar is making like a huge pizza. Corey walks in. Then it's so it's like, almost like Gar is like in denial, like just act like nothing happened. He's like, oh, I should be getting paid for all the work I'm doing. He's like, where's Alfred when you need him? And then Corey just like shoots a, a blast at him and he ducks just in time. Her eyes are glowing green. He tries fighting, you know, knocks her down, whatever. And then she, you know, he's like on top of her. He comes to and she's like, what happened? He's like, you just stay away from me. And he like runs out. So Corey calls a the therapist, dude, and. You know, says that she thinks she's losing her mind. You know, she's scared. She had another dream. She was like sleepwalking, lost control. She goes to see Gar, and he's like freaked, because his arm is like bandaged from he kind of got like singed a little bit. Uh, she says that she had another one of those dreams or visions, and then, you know, he does he he still like cares and concerned. He asks her like, what what kind of vision? And she says it's like her, but it's like watching her from the outside. He mentions that like, you know Rachel Raven, you know, had visions too. She learned to embrace them, whatever. So he takes her to his sensory deprivation tank because Batman used it to meditate or whatever. So she goes in, her eyes glow green, and she's like being wheeled on a stretcher or whatever. And she sees her reflection, whatever, and screams. So she's like in this like dark hallway again that she saw before. So Crane's getting transferred, um, but then he gets grabbed by someone. Dick knocks out this guy. The other, you know, the other guard comes on, and then he like knocks him out too. But he's he's just addresses himself as Dick. So then, uh, so Dick took Crane in his car. and they're, they're leaving. Jason's nearby with like a rifle, so I, was, I don't know if he was watching. So I guess was he gonna shoot Crane if whatever? Corey wakes up in the driver's seat of a car in the middle of a field. So she's not in a sensory tank anymore. You hear like a banging. You know she gets out. There's a banging coming from the trunk. Someone's like, "Get me out of here!" And she's like, "Who is it?" He's like, "It's it's Gar." So she opens the trunk, he's upset, he's like, I try to help you, and you knock me out and you shove me in the trunk. And so she broke out of the chamber, she punched him in the face, he's got like a bruise or whatever, and he's like, I'm tired of, of trying to take care of everyone. He's like, You, Connor, he's like, You all suck. He's like, You suck. <laughs> this is kind of funny. So he's like they don't know where they're at. He's like, Where She's like, I don't know. It's like what are you, you sleepwalking while you're driving or driving while you're sleepwalking? So then he asks her what she saw in her vision this time. And she says, Blackfire, her sister. She's like, you know, the one who killed her parents. And she feels like she brought Corey here. Gar, um, He s- says, well, let's let's move the car a little bit. There's a hatch underneath it, like under some grass. So Corey wants to go down the hatch. And he's like, you know, you should think about that after your last encounter with your sister. And she's like, well, either I go down the hatch and see what's down there. Or I keep sleepwalking and punching you in the face. He's like, okay, let's go. Barbara talks to um some guy about um I don't know if he was I don't know if he's the mayor or someone about you know Dick taking Crane um you know because she knows him you know he worked for you know Detroit or whatever. Then she calls Dick. Um he answers while driving and she's like you need to bring bring Crane back here right now, or whatever. And he's like, Oh, gotta go and and stuff. It's down to hatch. So this is the hall or place that she was being taken to in her dreams. Then she finds this a like, containment pod thing, like the Cube, cube cell or whatever where her sister's locked up and this dude comes up he's like oh snap it's like some doctor dude he's like in a coat whatever seems a little like, uh, like crazy so like who is this guy Dix drives down an old path in the wood then he gets out to unlock this chain in the road Crane decides to get out of the car you know he, his hands are like zip tied or something like that but you know he can open the door he starts running out in the wood and Dix just kind of smiles at him you know as this is happening behind his back Crane's like running and he walks into this next net and he's just like hanging from the tree. Dick comes up to him. He's like, are you done now? So they walk to this old cabin. Dick says, um, that crane's the one who turned Jason into a monster. The hit attempt was just an excuse to get it, get him to Blackgate. Uh, so the cabin is where Bruce took him when it, the train when they were young, apparently whatever. But red hood is his protege. So he knows that Jason's coming to save him. He's like, he knows this place. Um, crane says the titans just abandoned those that you know they fail so he's like you know where's witch girl where's the mute boy or whatever so then um the the at the under the hatch the dude tells corey and gar he's he says that they're a defense department tasked with extraterrestrial threat assessment and executing containment strategies as needed Blackfire, I can't believe I said that all in one breath. Blackfire was a hostile, so they shut her down. Then Corey's like, are you going to lock me up? And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, I'm a big fan of Starfire. He's like, Beast Boy too." And he's like, what? So Corey wants to talk to her sister. So in the room, the lights and the temperature, um, they're somehow negating her power. So they turn off so Corey can go inside. Blackfire's just like lying in bed. She's kind of groggy. She's like, why are you here? And Corey's like, you call me. And Blackfire's like, if you have any, any shred of mercy, she's like, put me out of my misery. She's like being a prisoner in this blackwater planet is a dishonor. They bicker about like their childhood, how you know uh, Blackfire was always blamed and punished, and Starfire or Corey wasn't, whatever. Um, Corey's like, well, you hurt people, and you know you deserve to be here, or whatever. Blackfire just keeps egging her on. Talks about the boyfriend. that Blackfire killed, and she like fried him or whatever. Then they they start fighting. The docs says that the the cell reduces their powers to almost zero. Corey, like, stands over. is about to deliver a final blow. And Blackfire's like, Do it, please. And then Corey just, like, lets her go, whatever. And Corey's, Blackfire says that she's like, I hate you. And she's like, I know. So she's just going to leave her in there. And, uh, cause I guess, you know, she would be locked up until she dies, you know. And Corey's like, That could be like over 100 years or something like that. But Blackfire, she's like, She says she is who she is. And it's, it's because of Corey. So at the, cabin crane asks dick you know what are his plans in gotham is he going to step into daddy's shoes he tries saying that they're similar whatever and bruce used to say you know fear is your friend fear reveals your weakness and gives you a chance to make it your strength then he talks about the first time bruce brought them there to train him uh he, you know so he ran out in the woods not knowing was out there so you see a flashback there's like this wolf chasing him and crane tries saying it wasn't his fault and then the motion detector goes off And Dick says that he already proved himself that night when he was a kid without Bruce. So then you see him like walk in with a bloody knife and a severed wolf head. So I guess that was part of Bruce's training to make them survive the woods and wolves chasing him or something like that. Um, Then Barbara, she realized she knows where Dick took Crane because they were able to triangulate the call or something like that. So they know it must be at this cabin or something like that. Corey decides uh, she can't leave the doctor dude to keep her sister locked up forever. Um, he tries stopping her and says, that, you know, her powers might not be at full strength yet. You know, and Corey's like, do you want to find out? You know, she's about to blast him. He's like, "Nope." So then outside uh, Blackfire asks, she's like, where are you taking me? And Corey's like, would you rather just stay here? Because, uh, you know, they don't trust each other, whatever they get in the car. Red Hood is is looking through a rifle scope in the woods. He's getting ready to shoot Dick, but then Nightwing is behind him. So Dick made uh, Crane go out like with a hoodie on out in the woods or something like that. So they start fighting. Red Red Hood is like shooting. Nightwing's using his a of sticks. Crane um, tries running, but there's like a force field, so he just like slams into it. Nightwing says he's like you told Crane everything, everything. So he knows like their identity. He knows who dick and bruce all that stuff red hood says that this ends here he's like what do you think it was going to happen after you know what you did to him after what he let happen nightwing's like this isn't on me or whatever and jason's says he or he says jason made his own choices and jason's like like you did he's like everything you do every move you make is is like the old man and then um he catches dick off guard and he starts like beating him whatever he hits him a few times then he's about to shoot him Uh, You know they're starting. A GCPD helicopter shows up, and he's you know there's trees and stuff like that. They're trying to get a Red Hood in in the, the the target. Barbara gives permission to take the shot. They shoot, but then I think they end up shooting Dick in the arm, and Jason gets away. So, all that and it didn't really work. So that was the episode. Um, so that episode not as good as as the third episode, and I don't know where they're gonna go with uh with all this Jason stuff. I mean, and so now it's like the big thing, you know, what the heck do you do with crane? Because now he knows all their secrets and everything like that. So that's it's pretty nuts. Okay. Next, you know, I was going to talk about, um, Evangelion 3.0 and one plus 1.0 thrice upon a time. Cause I rewatched, uh, or not rewatched, I watched, uh, the movies cause uh, somehow I didn't see them. And you know, because I watched the series, and I knew there was a first movie, but then I didn't see. It. So I started watching 3.0 plus 1.0. I didn't finish it. The movies are so crazy anyway, so I don't know if I'm going to talk about it. But the only movie featured this week. So I was going to try to do that as well. So this might be a slightly shorter episode, but maybe that could be good. Keep the anniversary episode on track. We're going to talk about reminiscence. So this is a the Hugh Jackman uh, movie. And I know there is a Nighthouse also came out. I might talk about that next week. I don't know. I should be talking about this at the end. So Reminiscence. Um, I, so I have to say, unfortunately, I didn't love this movie. And I didn't know a whole lot about it. I didn't even hear about this until I saw the first trailer. I, I think I only saw it once. And it seemed a, like a little trippy. I was like, oh, this kind of could be cool. You know, it seemed a little like, you know, like trippy mind, you know, mess your mind and everything. And I think um, people were saying it's kind of like Inception or I think people, I don't know if they referred to it as Blade Runner, which I didn't really see so much. Uh, so there's definitely like potential here. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I didn't hate it as much as like the critics did. But it had a very intriguing setup and like building this world and everything like that. And then just where the movie goes, I don't know. I mean, I was watching it kind of late at night on Friday and it was a long day because, you know, and so here's my excuse blah, blah, blah. Poor Tony. You know, I taught all day teaching. Uh, I didn't get my prep period because I had to do something else with the kids and everything like that as part of like the first, end of the first week. And then, you know, i come home. Then I had to do awesome art picks for entertainmentfish.com and, and all this. And then I had to watch the movie. So it was like, it was late and I didn't have dinner. T- it was like, well, I also did some grocery shopping um, on a Friday night. And so it was it was probably like, like it was like almost like 10 o'clock by the time I had dinner and started watching the movie. So um, maybe I wasn't 100% focused, but I think I was for the most part. I'm kind of glad I didn't see this in the theater um, and, you know, cause I almost went to the movies on Thursday and then I was like, I could see this, but then when um, like, kind of like last minute, it's like, Oh, night, I think it's night house. I was like, Oh, I could see that. Cause I didn't think it was going to show at my theater, but it was, but I was just tired on Thursday just from, from teaching and everything. So I was like, well, this movie's on HBO max. I'll, I'll just watch it. And I'm kind of glad I didn't go into the theater to see this because like I said I I didn't love it and I don't know if I would have stayed awake in the theater because of the comfortable seats and everything in the long days um so basically uh the movie is Hugh Hugh Jackman's character is a private investigator to mind and there's all this stuff where you can like relive your memories type of thing so there, you know you go in this like kind of like this it's almost like a sensory deprivation tank or not exactly it's, it's a little more open there's like some liquid in there and you're able to go to whatever memory you want, but the weird thing is, Hugh Jackman and and Thand, Thand, Thandie Newton. That's isn't that like it wasn't it? Didn't it just come up that that's not how you say her name. That everyone's been saying it wrong for years. So he works or she works with uh, Nick Bannister with Hugh Jackman, and um, but it's like they can kind of see the memories. There's like this big circular part on the floor next to the, 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 tank. So you see like a clip of the memories. It's, it's a little like, um, pixelated or whatever, like, you know, w- but then apparently you're like back in your actual dream. So it's like, you're reliving it or something like that. So it seems kind of weird. So the way it starts, the movie starts off and I, I won't spoil the whole thing, but just to kind of set things up, um, you see it open opens with like this flooded city. There's, you don't really see anyone, but then you slowly see little boats and, um, Hugh Jackman starts voice, you know, his voiceover. The past can haunt a man. That's what they say. And the past is just a series of moments, each one perfect, complete, a bead on a necklace of time. And then um, we start going like further into the city or whatever, and you're seeing more boats or whatever. You know, not not a whole lot. Um, something he says something about that, the past doesn't haunt us. It wouldn't even recognize us. If anything, it's us who haunts the past. So then uh, we see Nick Bannister. So, Hugh Jackman, he comes in late into his office. He has a client. So, Thandie Newton says it's his old war buddy or something like that. So, you know, he's like in wheelchairs, missing his legs. And uh, she's like the client who never pays, you know, or something like that. So, he says he wants to see Angie again. And,. Uh, Then you you hear the the voiceover, it used to be, you couldn't go back again, but time is no longer a one-way stream. Memory is a boat that sails against its current, and I'm the oarsman. So then he says, when the water rose and the wars broke out, there wasn't a lot to look forward to, so people began to look back. Um, The tank started as an interrogation tool, and since then, nostalgia has become a way of life, but for Watts and me, it's a living. So... All this stuff, you know, as we're building up this, setting up this world, it's all kind of interesting. That the why are the world, why why is the world flooded? Is it you know climate change? And what are, what's what wars broke out? What's going? How did this? So there's a lot going on here. That's, that's kind of neat in a way. Then he tells a guy he's going on a journey through his memory. His destination, a place and time you've been before. To reach it, all you have to do is follow my voice. So then you know the guy. And the takes he's in a little bit of water. Um, so he's sending him to a summer 13 years ago. Bannister can see the memory. Um, the dude's, he has his legs. He's playing fetch with a dog. So the dog is Angie. That's who he wanted to see. Then Watts is like, it's like, I love that damn dog. He says, so, you know, she's, she's kind of like tough and a little bitter or whatever, but you know, she's, she's showing a little like humanity there or whatever. So then his friend tries giving him a coin, tries paying him. He's like, I oh, know it's not enough. He's like, and Bannister's like, no, 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 it's on the house. And then when he leaves like then uh, watts she's like you know if, if you keep doing like it's on the house the ceiling is going to collapse or something like that and then he's saying that you know it turns out nothing's more addictive than the past because you know who wouldn't want to be reunited with a loved one or relive the most meaningful moments of her life the memories have an appetite and if you're not careful they can consume you so the tank is called reminiscence i guess watts um tries uh, giving a client the memory that she keeps visiting whatever. And she's like, "Here, you know, that's why you don't have to keep paying for the tank." And she's like, "It's not the same." She's like in the reminiscence, "I can feel his arms around me" or something like that. So, you know, she was trying to help someone out, too. Bannister's about to go home and then uh, a lady, Rebecca Ferguson, her name's May, she walks in. She says something like she lost her keys and then um then when she come, kind of comes out of the shadow cuz the place is kind of dark and everything like that. Uh, the voiceover, you see Hugh Jackman just staring at her, and he's it's like some things you never forget, like the first time he laid eyes on her. And then, um, it's almost like this is very like noir, like kind of like you know, the old timey private investigate, which it's kind of neat. This angle that they do it like that, even though there's like all this futuristic stuff as well. So then he tells her that they can give her a quick nudge, and you know, the dep- finding key depends on whether they're lost or forgotten, because if if they're lost he can't help her but if it's forgotten it can you know maybe found you know find out where it is so nick is a, a good guy because when when may is going to go in the tank he's like well we have modesty suits before you go into the water you know so you don't get your clothes wet and she's like well you're gonna see it all anyways and she just like takes off her gown and uh, he like looks away so you know he's not like some perv or whatever and then uh, he takes her back like a day and you know she's getting up she's getting ready and when she gets stressed he looks away again and so again, that's that's a good thing, because um, obviously he has a hot. He's mesmerized by her, but he doesn't want to, you know, be a creep and look at her. And then uh, he's like, "Is she decent?" And Watts is like, "Like she'd care." So they see where she loses her keys, you know, in a dressing room, whatever, you know, because she took shook some stuff out of her, her purse and they fell on the floor. Then she, um, so they're about to stop it. He's like, "Wait!" So she goes on, you know, she's a little like nervous or hesitant. She goes out on stage, and he's just like mesmerized as as she's singing. Um, he also works like with the DA uh, you know that's where the interrogation part comes in because there's this guy who was corrupt or whatever bought dry lands for pennies on the dollars or whatever and then um, he goes to the club where May sings uh, he, Bannister does because she left her earrings or something like that and then he, he talks to her he tells her she has a nice voice and she's like oh not many comment or notice my voice because they're just checking out her, her body I guess And then, um, because the dress she has is like, there's like open cut out parts. So, you know, there's like a lot of skin showing or whatever, but you know, it's, it's not, it's revealing, but not really revealing. So then, um, then she's like, oh, will you escort me home or whatever? And then they go there and they talk and and then they end up hooking up. So it seems that he's been spending a lot of time in a tank reliving memories with her because something happened. So like Watts pulls him out, says it's been months since she's disappeared and she's haunting him. So they were together for a little bit and we don't really know. There's like this jump and he's like trying to find her. And like, you know, he's going around and like one coworker is like, you know, she's not the person you thought she was or whatever. And then um, he sees this, he sees her in a memory from this other case. It was actually from a, a, the memories from years ago. So he wonders like, who is she or, you know, who was she when she wasn't with him? And then, you know, he goes to this gangster dude and this man, the dialogue, the delivery was, was kind of cringy with this part, just the way he talked. And it, it was like, not really over the top, but it just, it was weird. So then the, the the question was like, who was May? You know, was she a grifter? Was she an addict? You know, what's going on? And, And so that's kind of where the movie comes from. So he's, like, really haunted by her. And, you know, he's, like, going through the memories, reliving the memories. But he also wants to find out where she is. And, um, eh, yeah. So, I mean, I won't go go into the rest of it and, like, other stuff that that comes up. But just the whole whole thing, you know, movie as a whole, uh, I mean, there's, like, all this potential. It's, like, so cool. And then it just kind of... Just kind of not that it flounders, but it, it it's almost like it doesn't really go anywhere. So I don't I have a feeling this is not gonna do very well. I mean the movie had a sixty-eight million dollar budget, and um, you know, like I said, it did not do well. So let's see, it right now it's at a thirty-five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, five point one out of ten. Um let's see uh, cinema score gave it a C plus and 67% of members gave it a positive score. 41% said they would definitely recommend it. So I don't know. I mean, I just didn't think it was a, uh, so here, like, so um, Owen Gleib- Gleiberman from variety called it a perfectly calibrated two hour mirage of things we've seen before. It's very blade runner, the streaming series, and maybe a, a stray hint of the Godfather. Outside the flooded Miami landscape with buildings and byways still visible evokes a kind of water world light crossed with a Hunger Games sequel. <laughs> um, Richard Roper of Chicago sometimes gave it a two out of four. Says this Maltese Falcon meets Inception somewhere in the vanilla sky on the way to Chinatown in an inventive, ambitious, but wildly convoluted and ultimately disappointing sci fi noir. Um, reminiscence which careens this way and that, and this way and that before running off the rails. So yeah, it is kind of interesting. I you know I didn't read these before that there are just it's like almost like a, a hodgepodge of different things, and it's an interesting approach to you know try try to do this stuff, but <laughs> it's just kind of kind of nuts. Um, I don't know. And like I said, so there is a lot of potential, and it's, it would have been interesting to see more about this, but. It's just, I don't know. Like, I don't want to give away too much about the ending of the movie. So it was a little disappointing, I would say. It was weird. It was neat to see uh, Rebecca Ferguson and Hugh Jackman together because they were in The Greatest Showman, which I loved. I should watch that again. Um, But yeah, it was... uh, It feels like it could have been better. And it almost... It doesn't feel like it would be a theatrical release, even though it was... And I, like I said, I hadn't even heard about this until it's probably like the first time I heard about it was maybe three weeks ago, and I think that's kind of nuts. I didn't even know he, this movie was being made, so it's just too bad. And you know, I like I said, I didn't hate it, but I felt like it had a great setup and a great start, and then it just kind of maybe it did kind of flounder a little bit. But I do like the fact that it did have that like crime noir, you know, PI. Feel to it. It was that was a really neat thing, and and Hugh Jackman did do a good job as that. But there was a, sometimes where his character was just kind of, kind of dry, you know, whatever. But it it was it was it was fine. So it's just too bad. Um, now I kind of wish I did see it in the Nighthouse. but I think I'm gonna stop there rather than just you know, f- rather than, so I don't flounder anymore. So. Um, I guess a, thanks to me for making it four year. I'm going to cut this a little short. I'm actually, I I didn't eat lunch yet today, so I need to, I'm really, really hungry. That's my excuse. Um, but thank you for listening. Thank you for being here, whether it's been four years or four months or four weeks or four days. Thank you. Um, big, humongous, um, bottom of my heart, thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. And I also got a big, you know, big thanks to Rich Lozano because he, he's helped, he's been helping out a lot. He's been a supporter. So you know, thank, thank everyone listening. You know, I, I, I should, I feel like I should just like thank all the patrons, you know, everything. So you guys are awesome. I appreciate it. And you know, if you ever bought me like a single coffee, you know, thank you. It, like I said, it really means a lot. So um, you can be a supporter by going to Patreon.com/slash/GManFromHeck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to that secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Uh, I'm talking about West Coast Avengers, Avengers West Coast from 1989, John Byrne run. And it's mainly Wanda, Scarlet Witch, and Vision. So, a lot of cool things. Um, actually, um, this coming week, there's going to be some like Captain America and uh, She Hulk stuff. So, that's going to be cool. Um, but if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash G from Heck. You can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two. And that is ko fi.com slash Okay, so what is going to be uh, next week? So next week, I believe, is uh, Candyman. I might see the Nighthouse 2. We'll see. Because I mean, I, I could probably do two movies. I don't know if there's anything else popping up. But because uh whatchamacallit superman lois is 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 off and rick and morty isn't back yet so maybe you know i I could squeeze in two movies so we'll have to see if i maybe i'll go yeah we'll, we'll see so um other than that um i can't think of anything else that's that's popping up if there's any other thing on tv or all that so like i said you know thank you for four years um it, it's been tough at times. I, I'm not going to lie about that. But um, I, I do. I am happy to be here, and I'm happy you're here. So I'm going to, you know, keep doing this as long as I can. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, I hope you're enjoying the show. That's why you're here, and I hope you are doing well. Um, I had a decent first week of school. You know, it was only three days, and uh, the first day wasn't. I didn't really teach or anything like that. So I got got great kids. Um, it's wearing a mask all day is is exhausting but we have to be safe so please be safe take care of yourself take care of others try to have a good time and remember to be good to each other